You know what I love to do? Eat. You know what you love to do? Eat. So why not cook some home-cooked meals and eat them from our sponsor, Blue Apron? Yeah! I wrote the ad. Blue Apron sends you food. It comes in pre-portioned bags. You follow step-by-step instructions, and you make the food for less than $10 a person. It is delicious, and you impress the people in your house. No one in your house? Tweet me, Greg Miller, the photos of your food this week, and I'll try to send back a video of me impressed with it. Check out this week's menu, like this month's Spiced zucchini enchiladas and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash gamescast you will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with blue apron so don't wait that's blueapron.com slash gamecast blue apron a better way to cook or as i like to say don't eat a shoe and i'm not joking about the photos motherfucker try me What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Kind of Funny Games Cast, episode 122. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, as Tim Geddes prepares for Kind of Funny Live 3, kindoffunny.com slash KFL3. I'm joined by Polygons, Nick Robinson. Hello. Hello, Hi. how are you? Yes, round oh, of applause. That's so nice. I'm getting clapped for by Adam Sessler. I know. Not and to, like, not to ruin your intro, but this guy's here too. Games industry legend, Adam legend? Sessler. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's more like a, like a, a mini tale. Oh, mini tale? Yeah. No, your, no, your epic that goes on and on and on. <laughs> I remember no. the, the day I found out that, so me and Adam have a shared history. I'm sure, sure we'll talk about a little bit. Of course, uh, topic two, I do believe. And my, <laughs> the way I found out Adam was working at Rev3 when we were working yeah. there together was we had a, a, our EP, uh, Zach, who's amazing, uh, was also like, he a little secretive sometimes, and so I found well, the ink out. He had to dry. Yeah, <laughs> right. So I saw him floating around once or twice. And I'm like, maybe he just likes hanging out here. Sure. And then one day I came into the office, and the desk next to mine had a post note on it that said Adam Sessler, and I'm like, there's no way it's like the same guy from who I watched like my entire childhood on TV, right? And then it not was the, him. not that you're old. Not that there, there is this other guy named Adam Sessler. Yeah. Um, because you know, back when I started out in TV, I would Google myself. Sure. Mm. I guess it wasn't even Google then. I would I would search myself in some in some. You would ask AOL, James yourself. AOL key Word. <laughs> so I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't come up first. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there were some Israeli artists mm. who for like years would be the first hit, and there was that real big moment, probably about five years in, where like yeah. it was me. I'm I'm currently engaged in a similar SEO battle with an actor named Nick Robinson who was in Jurassic World. I saw him pop that, up when I searched your name. Yeah. That kid. I'm like we're we're currently at this like we're at about a 50 50 split on sure. Tumblr right now in okay. terms of the tags. It's like half people photoshopping him naked and then half people making video game jokes. Yeah. it's like a perfect 50 50 split right now. For me, it happened so quietly I didn't even pay attention. But for years, I, I when I you do it, it was Greg Miller Elvis impersonator in Vegas. <laughs> Greg Miller lock picking for beginners, mm. and then slowly crept my way up to like now nah, I just dominate no. all these. Was part of that? Did you incorporate those skill sets into your? No, brand? I wish. I, I always oh. thought about buying the lock picker for beginners about, book. And like, doing the, the idea of like an Elvis impersonator who's also like a cat burglar. Yeah, that's <laughs> nobody saw that it coming. Five yeah. is about. Yeah, he's there to steal hearts. Yeah. He's there to do Just all that like stuff. Elvis. Yeah, yeah maybe exactly, I'll be exactly. like Monaco too. Yes, I'm right. ready for Monaco too. Steal that. Go ahead, feel free. If you didn't know, ladies and gentlemen, this is the kind of funny games cast where each and every week we get together and talk about all the games and things we love. If you want to get it. On time, I say. You can go to patreon.com slash games. If you want to get it late, no big deal. You can head over to youtube.com slash games where you break it out topic by topic day by day until it goes up as one big video in MP3. Nick, mm. you are a much requested kind of funny really? games person. Yeah? yeah. Yeah. Our interactions on the Twitter, that happens. That yeah, makes it happen. Um, I, that's really nice to hear. Thank you. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. I, I watch the stuff that you produce. I remember, I mean, the way this happened yeah. is kind of <laughs> a direct result I, of you. <laughs> 
you believing that no one because was watching during the work day. right we were watching surprised. we were doing the kind of funny uh, morning show me and Andy Cortez mm-hmm. and what had happened is Nick Scarpino as of course fucked everything up and he got sick and went home so Andy stepped in but that meant I needed a host a co-host for GOG as well because we already had Jared Petty coming mm-hmm. in and I was like chat let me know realistic suggestions because chat I love the tweets that are always like hey have you ever thought about having Tom Hanks on I'm like oh no it's never occurred to me that he'd be great on a podcast and I was like realistic deadbeats that are at home right now during San Francisco during San Francisco workday right and I was like but I guess if any of them were watching I'm like none of them are watching and you and Danny O'Dwyer immediately pinged you're both. like we're, we're deadbeats we're watching because me and Danny are both on that that work from home lifestyle here yeah. in the Bay Area and so we, were, we are we have nothing better to do than watch everyone else's content and yeah. just to kind of giggle I was watching in bed Nice. I was watching in bed that episode, and well, I just kind of like was leaned over, watched on my laptop, and then I was like, "Hey, that's I can, like I can DM him intimate." Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, but You'd be very, su- very. I joined him in bed. You'd you be know? surprised how much content of the three of us is consumed by people in various states of undress oh, in yeah. their bed on their phone. Yeah, it's just in their the, boxers in the computer chair. It's yeah. the like I. It's it's funny like. I, Working from home, I've able I've been able to kind of flip it so that I'm actually producing a lot of my content also in my underwear because most of what I do is voiceover stuff. So I can be in any state of undress and nobody nobody has to know okay. like until now. Okay. Well, yeah, you've completely ruined your videos for me. Yeah, every Carboys. He's sitting there scratching. If you averaged it together, every episode of Carboys, I probably made that show with one and a half pieces of clothing on just all together. If you if you average it all together, how does that make you feel, Adam? <sighs> It's something I learned from him. Adam's entire brand for over a for decade a while, has been built was, around was no, pants. no pants. Yeah, yeah. 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 And now yeah. the next generation is coming in: no pants, no shirt, maybe a bathrobe. If I'm feeling like cold, no pants, no shirt, service. <laughs> yes, that's, my, that's our slogan. Now, Adam, we did a survey recently as well through uh-huh. the kind of funny fans that will announce a whole bunch of results for for a kind of funny live three. But you also popped up that people wanted you back. Well, that's you've been nice. You've been on a bunch of our shows throughout the years. We thank you for your yes. support. Oh, I like stopping by. Yeah, everything got so e- you know so 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 easy once I like moved back to San Francisco. Mm. Yeah. You know, that, that's usually helpful. Even though there are podcasts to be done in Los Angeles, yeah. that means getting in a car to go to them. Mm, no good. Which, you know, that. That, it's, it's a nice thing. Podcasts are easier in San Francisco. Exactly, yeah. We're all hipper and cooler. It's true. We're yeah. all, we were, most of the time we're doing a podcast just <laughs> There's yes. already a podcast Life going a on. podcast without a mic. Right. Yeah. It's really, yeah. it would be easier to just block out the time of the day that we're not recording our voices and sure. just classify that as non-cast. Well, that's always the hard thing of trying to get on a phone call with somebody. You're like, well, I'm, like, I'm recording all day long. Yeah. There's no time. There's, I'm, yeah. and the, the, the ones that really piss me off are the ones who text you or call you when you're live. Like, oh, this God. is a live show. I've tweeted I'm live. Why would you then 15 minutes later hit me up asking if I can talk? Right, right. You know what's happening. Yeah, I call those calls mom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, mom. Almost, I can, you know, it's going to happen probably during the course of this. I'll feel the buzz in my pocket. Yeah. And it's my mom trying to reach out. Oh, that's sweet. Oh, that's adorable, though. Yeah. My mom watches, which then gets very creepy because we talk about creepy things on the other shows, not this show. Here we're talking about Far Cry 5. Do, do, do. I know I love it I love the transitions I love the jingles usually it's just me I'm excited to have another jingler here no so Far Cry 5 as the posting of this on Patreon will officially the embargo will be up it's the first game I'm able to break open my little E3 Judges Week book show my notes that I was taking it's an Uncharted 4 Uncharted 4 loot crate I do believe yeah yeah, there it is hey everybody I'm looking at your E3 Uncharted 4 well that's just Far Cry 5 which we're about to talk so there are no more secrets except for wait I I don't do you do you see I people some people take the doodle of a Superman logo as you might see there, Superman yeah. logo. Some people might take the doodle of a Superman logo to say, oh, he's not paying attention. That's me listening intently. My immediate reaction, actually, the reason I didn't talk about it is because I was like, you know how there was the rumor that Rocksteady was going to do a Superman game? Oh, my game? God, can like, you oh my imagine God. my E3 secrets? I know. Oh. I would have died of a heart attack if, it was, if they were doing the Justice League or the Superman game or whatever. Yeah. God. But it said Far Cry 5. Yes. Far Cry 5. Ubisoft. Which, which looks 
So interesting. Exactly. You've seen you and I have seen the same presentation. Yes. Nick, you know nothing. No, I'm a commenter. I've seen the piece of key art and I saw those those cute little teasers that right. they posted. It's because we're recording this before the embargo lift, so the trailer that drops on the Friday that this would drop on Patreon isn't alive for us to see yet. Yes. But we've and, seen and, it and all. We, um I actually don't believe I've seen the trailer. Okay. So yes. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, because judge. So you get to wear the fancy hat. How you mm-hmm. doing? I was just, I was a friend. I judge you attractive. <laughs> <laughs> Friends and family Every so often, you know, I, like, I get a call. It's like, hey, we're doing this. You want to come by and see it? And I'm like, sure. yeah, because I still like doing that. I, I love yeah. seeing Well, you stuff. only get to be a judge for like two out of every 365 days. Adam Sessler is Adam Sessler every day. And so he gets those friend point. calls all year long. The legend, the video game legend, Adam Sessler. Yeah. You know, I, maybe I'll go for like epic because, okay. you know, just because, you know, like, like, because that's like Beowulf. And I like to think that I also elicit, elicit groans for freshmen in college. Oh, Sessler. Oh, my God. So Far Cry 5, what questions do you have? Where do you want me to Scott, start with so you, many. Okay, so the, the big thing and the thing that we've kind of known for a minute is that it takes place in the United States of America. That's correct. Montana. That's a really big difference exactly. from like all the past Far Cry games. Um, I guess my number one thing and the thing that's like most exciting and interesting to me from the key art and everything else is like the vibe that this game seems to be putting out is some like... Uh, adult quasi Christian religious cult, yes. maybe weird racist undertones thing going on, and I'm like, I, that to me is really exciting because it's so 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 risky for a series and a and a, maybe a company that's not always the riskiest. So yeah, is it is it what I think it is? Is it there- you are on the money in terms of what's happening? Is we're in Montana, present day, and yes, we have a cult slash militia yeah. that is this family that has taken over a town pretty much basically, and they've done it throughout years and years and years and years of things. So the point that like you go in there and now you're on that side and you need you can't get help from getting out. You have to find people inside and like similar Far Cry games yeah. to take these people down and do all this different stuff. And so. It's the idea you're on the money of yeah. The, there's the cult leader Joseph. He's the father. Then he's got his or the father being the priest. Then his brothers uh, Jacob and John, and then uh, the half sister Faith. I mean, like right off the bat, like book of the Bible, book of the Bible, yeah. book of the Bible, Faith. Like I mean, like that that you're then that's the my thing about it. After going in and watching the presentation, leaving, getting back on the bus and talking to, like Austin Walker and stuff about it, was the fact of this sounds so fascinating. This is yeah. such an awesome idea for a game. Yeah. Well, but and, can and, they stick the landing? Um, the gentleman, I'm blanking on his name. He might be in your magic book. Uh, Dan Hay? Yeah, Dan. My magic who, book. Who, who, wow, this man gives presentations. Like oh, my God. Gives, he's got the most imposing build and this deep baritone that, like, as he's describing his thinking about how he got to this game, it's just, it was just kind of... Cecil, get better on there, I'm getting better on there. Kevin's coming over here (laughs) Like, how he's got to hop around the giant TV he bought to find out and tell (laughs) us. But, you know, it really was... I mean, and he said it's this idea of of America feeling like it's on a precipice. Yeah. You know, and that it's a feeling... I remember this, because I think he and I are of, of, of similar ages. He was thinking back to the 80s. When, you know, once again, with with this kind of threat of nuclear war that was out there, you always felt that there was this this sense of precipice. And he thinks that America has kind of come back to that sensation. So that's why I think that whether or not it will stick the landing, the intention is for it to stick the landing. I'm kind of excited because just the idea that someone's making a game about that that is not afraid to, like, brush up against the current political environment, how weird and scary everything is, like... That makes me excited. Just that that anyone's even willing to try because it's 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 inevitable that this game is going to no matter what it does, no matter how it handles it, infuriate a bunch of people. But and I and I hope they handle it smartly. But the fact that they're willing to take this risk and make something that's like 
this uh, bold is that's the exciting thing. Well, they me. talked about it right the, in the same presentation. I'm sure yeah. you saw of just like the idea came up years ago. And they were like, not the right time, and then they started in on it, and then everything kind of has happened around yeah. it. Yeah. What's interesting about it to me is the fact that I think the flack they've caught from the, already just the key art that's up yeah. in our in our current timeline is people like, oh man, he's poking the bear and this, and it's like the people involved in this, like you know, it's I like because I think you look at it like, oh man, Trump supporters like taking over, the, and it's like these people in the game are fuck the government. We don't believe in the government. Yeah. We're on the precipice of a collapse of the U.S. government. We're going to start it right now. Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 it's interesting that everyone kind of went in this defensive way to Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, you can see some corollaries of some of the most noxious, you know, the people who are overtly racist, sure. you know, and definitely have those sentiments. But I don't think it's like, it's, it's a one-on-one. Exactly. It's more kind of a personification of a very strange and unsettling mentality that we are hurtling towards something that, that that we can't control. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing because about... These, like, this is, like I think, an end-of-the-world type cult. Because game game development pipelines are also such that, like, you don't make a game like Far Cry 5 and you that you started... It's not like they started this game two months ago or three yeah, months yeah, ago, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, this has been in, in the works for forever. Likewise, I think it, it probably has more in common with, like, militias taking over, like, government buildings and stuff, like, stuff like that. It, the, the Oregon, which also the Oregon militia. Oregon yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it, but if you remember, like, I think it was in the 90s, uh, maybe the early 2000s, there was also, I think it was in Wisconsin, there were, like, you know, the, this group that doesn't believe in taxes, mm. and there was and there was yet another one of those standoffs mm. that, was, that was happening. It's uh, the free somethings. Yeah, and it, the free people. The so one the I, I'm blanking right now on the name, of course, because we're on camera, but it's the one of... Uh, David, somebody or other, remember it was oh, the, David Koresh. Koresh. That was yeah. when I saw it, and they started pitching. That's what I jumped to. So there's all there are all these corollaries to it that aren't. It's not set in the political unrest of right now. It's set in the disenfranchisement of the government. Mm. Let alone the fact that this has been, and this is where I think one of the interesting things are going to face. Right, is the let alone it's set in Montana, right? And we used to always joke around on the old shows of like Colin's whole thing was he just wanted to up and retire and have forty acres and be up there living off the grid and like that's people's interpretation no, of Montana. Wait. And now this game is that I mean, in a video game. I don't think it's an unfair. This is not a negative stereotype as I see it in my head. That you know Montana is a place to get away. Yeah, you know it's it a it's beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a place to sort of be off the grid. And there's always been a kind of sentiment that comes from that part of the country of, hey, I just want to do my thing. Back off. It's kind of a, a more pure form of libertarianism. Yeah. Well, they kept like one of the things they they talk about in the presentation, right, is freedom, faith and firearms. Yeah. Like those being the three big things of Hope yeah, they're County. really going for it. How? Yeah. Wow. It's funny, too, because like I think there's a temptation to and I've done this personally to think that this is some enormous pivot for Far Cry in a lot of ways it is but I'm thinking back and like Far Cry 2 was like an art game about surviving in Africa Far Cry 3 was written by a dude who like his intent was to write all these incredibly weird metaphors in it and to like deal with like these uh, like a, a, just a troop of like American kids parachuting in and fucking around yeah, with no yeah, responsibilities. Yeah. Far Cry Four also had some really smart stuff going on with how they were handling like this fictional country. How a dictator would take over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the fact that in Far Cry Four the protagonist is like from that place, which I think they thought alleviated some of the weird like racial pressure. So they're they're except act- for when they put out the cover art, right? Yeah, you God, son of a that? bitch. Oh my God. So it, I guess what's interesting to me here is that like they are once again. Not really. I just think that the Far Cry series is like really weirdly thoughtful for a triple A no, first person 100%. action adventure like Ubisoft franchise. And yeah, and I, I, I think what I wonder about, you know, there's, there's two key things I'm wondering about is, you know, three and four started to go into a dark humor area. Like, mm. like especially in four, you have the two guys who are just tripping out on drugs all the yeah, time. Yeah, right, right. That, 
I don't know if that would necessarily work in the game as least as how it's initially been mm-hmm. presented, that this might have to be a much more kind of serious yeah, game. That, that, that's my thing, so before you get to your second yeah, point, no. is you were talking before about like, oh man, it kind of gives off a true detective vibe, right? And it does, but then when they show gameplay, it's Far Cry. Mm-hmm. And, it is, and they show these character vignettes that'll be up tomorrow at the embargo, and it's like, they all start off very interesting. There's this woman, a barmaid, like cleaning her glass. And it looks like, you know, they're all set to act like you're in the, the right place. But then it kind of pivots and the bar's all screwed up. And she's like, they killed my father. Where to go kill them? You're like, all right, that makes sense. Then it's this priest, right? And he's reading the Bible and he's talking about how he's the shepherd and da da da. But when somebody else have you, go protect your flock. And they pin around and like, the priest's got a gun in his Bible, like hollowed out. And he pulls it out. And then like his church has been blown apart. And he turns around and he gets the shotgun and throws it over his shoulder and walks out. And you're like, that is an interesting. Okay. And then the next one was like, I just want to raise this, this guy. It was crop duster. And he's like, I just want to raise my son. Right. Blah, blah, blah. And then he goes and the rudder has been shot out and he gets a Gatling gun and puts it on his thing. <laughs> and you're like, well, what? And then they showed the gameplay and the gameplay was the, all right, cool. It's the normal far cry. We're running around shooting everything. And then it was uh, the crop duster coming in. It looked like call of duty, just blowing shit up and all this thing. And it's like, Add that into the fact of then I know I'm going to be like, I wake up and I'm like, okay, I've got to get my resistance going. I'm going to punch 14 cows to death and get them to make a wallet. It's like, wait, like, how is this going to mash up with this very serious story? I really am curious. My, my, My other thought is, what happens with the animals? Um, you know, yeah. bears. I can imagine. Okay, that's yeah, that's that's a dangerous animal that I know that's in Montana. Maybe a wolf. Yeah, but you know, because it's less exotic in the most kind of inappropriate way. Like it doesn't. It, I, I don't see the same kind of fauna. Yeah, that, yeah, 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 how yeah. that's gonna play, and, like, and, and, and maybe it's gonna be re- who is gonna be the game. honey badger? What what What's what Montana's Montana creature? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the turkey. That's I didn't even think about the whole animal skinning and hunting component. Because yeah. it's like a are we? It's gonna be a little weird to be like the people's champion who's also sneaking into the people's farms and killing the people's animals and yeah. making like an ammo case. And I'm sure it. they'll have some narrative reason for it, right? Yeah. That like they will the, the you know they've shut off this region. This is their town, so they're only doing this, or they have brought in exotic animals that. That's one of their shticks for like when they take over and expand. Or it could be seen as like they really are, I don't want to say rebooting, but they're kind of resetting mm-hmm. that maybe, you know, they are sort of asking questions like, you know, are there things that we associate with Far Cry that are so important to Far Cry? Or are they something that maybe can be removed or, yeah, or, I mean, or altered? I mean, I feel like... After Far Cry Primal, I'm kind of animaled out a little bit. So if they, <laughs> if they want to dial that stuff back a little, yeah. like that's not... I could totally enjoy a Far Cry game that doesn't have the huge skinning thing in it. We've been doing that for like three or four games now. I could yeah. I could chill without that if they replace it with something substantial. I guess that's my big question for y'all is like, the game is clearly Far Cry, but like, are there, what are the gameplay differences that they spoke to y'all about, if anything? Like, that's the thing. Gameplay wasn't on the menu. Okay. It was very much like, like here's the setting, here's where we came from. They told the stories, like, you can't tell these stories anywhere else because it might endanger lives. We're like, no, no, that's Holy interesting crap. for a video game presentation. Yeah. And then it was like, here's a quick succession of gameplay. We're like, all right, that looked like Far Cry, but with Call I, I, I think it's also, it's, it's I, I think they're kind of getting awareness out there for Far Cry 5, which right. I would assume more will be learned. Of course. At E3. They're not at the so. gameplay step yet, but. Well, I think the gameplay stuff is just, you know, I would be very, very surprised we don't see more yeah. gameplay once we're at E3. I suspect so. we will. Yeah. The other interesting thing, I think I'll just be, and this sounds so hokey, but the reaction to killing Americans, killing American civilians, like, right? Like this, they're... They're a cult and they're a militia, but and they're they're bad. They're clearly bad, right? I yeah. mean, but like we're gonna get in there and just like these farmers who have been duped by this guy who are trying to kill me that I'm now killing in mass numbers. Yeah, it's weird because like killing Americans is what you do in every other open world game. Watchdogs, I killed the three hundred. No, Americans. see that was my thing. Watchdogs, I was no kill. 
Yeah. Oh. Watchdogs, I was yeah. stunning people. Watch Marcus. Really, I, just, I felt like that was just felt so inappropriate to the tone of the world. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that, it, with that Marcus would not have done those things. But I, I guess what, what Marcus, I'm saying is boy. that it is new for Far Cry. And there's also. This was just me celebrating, by the way. This isn't Black Power. Okay. I realize I, I, this is how I do it in solidarity. <laughs> you do that for everyone. Wait, hot. Just Marcus. Like, hey, we, hey, we got 30 seconds left in this <laughs> bed. <laughs> I guess, and tell me if I'm overthinking this, but like there is a difference between like running around like Los Santos or like doing like sure. being in GTA and point. killing Americans versus like the killing you do in Far Cry is this intimate. You jumped off of a roof onto a dude and then you're knifing him in the chest with his face taking up half the screen. It's, and it's, it's, like, it's yeah. born of desperation. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's what I think has always made some of the, the, the violence of Far Cry so interesting. Is yeah. That, and conversely... It's maybe a little fucked up that I am squeamish about killing Americans in the first person with their face up here, but not other people. And, that, and like, that's the thing that I really think is going to be a question to be asked, because when we were talking about afterwards, like, oh, yeah, I guess what does that say that I can go to an island place and everyone on the exactly. island is evil? Exactly. But I'm in Montana. I'm like, oh, sorry, this guy duped you. You know right. what I mean? Like, oh, this doesn't feel weird. I think that, and also knowing Far Cry and knowing how totally they have a great track record up till and then maybe stopping at Primal of the villains being these incredibly evocative horrifying yeah, yeah, yeah. people I, I don't I suspect that they won't have trouble making me hate these 100% the call, I, yeah, I, yeah, they'll, yeah. I, they'll do it no 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 I mean actually when they showed and you know they, they, they went through the four members of the family yeah. and like kind of the role that they would play in solidifying the, the, the power of a cult mm-hmm. um, you know because you need someone who's charismatic you need someone who's kind of got the prophet yeah. You know, yeah. you need, you and, they, know. and they'd thought it through to the point of like, oh, and this one's a great lawyer, and that's how he got all the land. You're like, oh, that makes okay, yeah, okay. sure, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I, I think, I think that you know, once again, they may be all the more unsettling because they're not. I don't want to say cartoons, but they're not. They're extreme in a familiar way. Right. You know, a, they're they're, a, they're like two steps zone. removed from like people you may know or people that yeah. you've been familiar with, say, just watching television or something. I will say, like, off like, from in the, the news. From the jump, though, this new bearded main antagonist, yeah. he's missing. There was a real undeniable, at least for me personally, sexiness factor with the Far Cry 4 antagonist. Oh, Pagan Min? Pagan Min was so Ooh, hot. Purple he Joker was, suit. <laughs> the, the, the look and the outfit and the sort of just the way he talked to you and got right in your face. And just, I, I was like, I had this very pseudo romantic attachment with pagan men that I don't expect to have with this. Yeah. Weird, yeah. Well, weird there's pastor. one, the, the, the younger son who was kind of wearing this like flared out, you know, suit John, jacket. I think, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that was his name. Yeah. 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 John's I think the youngest that's brother. the one. It's interesting. They seem to, uh, the, there's the prophet who, you know, maybe kind of pulling back a little bit. Like he, he's one who kind of talks to God or something. Yeah. yeah. But then that son is more the charismatic one. Okay. And that's why he's wearing the flashy clothes. So I think he may be... It's almost like they've taken various aspects of like the pagan min type and put it into four different characters. Interesting. Interesting. Right. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I'm, yeah. I'm overall pumped for this game. Yeah, I, yeah. I love the just the physical act of playing Far Cry games is so fun for me. Like Far Cry 4, I just fully 100%ed even after the story stuff was done because I just, the, the process of clearing out a, an outpost is just yeah. one of my favorite video game things to do, period. So right. I'm like, I'm already in on the gameplay. The fact that they're doing weird, risky story stuff has me really excited. I'm like, I'm here for Far Cry 5. That's the thing is I'm no, super is, interested to see where it goes. Yeah. This is currently now that Red Dead Redemption 2 is, is moved into 2018. I mean, Far Cry 5 is now at the top of my list of what I'm excited to play this year. Yeah, yeah can't wait. Hopefully see more at E3. Topic number two, I titled Life After the Job. All right. Now, I say that because I, of course, asked for reader mail questions for topic four, which we'll get to. But at Steinlidge T, 
said he'd like to see you guys talk about Rev3 games. Rev3 games talk would be interesting, funny stories, stuff like that. But then it brought up the fact that you just, we're all, we all left other things to do our own, our, to do the next thing, and they're all interesting things we're doing. Yeah. You're at Polygon now, Nick. Adam, you just you know, helped get Friday the 13th launched the game, which Yay. has got to be totally crazy yes, for you, yes. right? And I, and, I, and, I, and I appreciate you saying helped, because I only <laughs> helped. I heard you I made it all by yourself. This, <laughs> this is not my game. <laughs> Started programming. Incredibly dedicated. How has it been working in Unreal Engine 4, Adam? <laughs> <laughs> Unreal? Uh, uh, good answer. Safe uh, answer. Don't, don't applaud that, Kevin. Don't laugh uh, at that joke. <laughs> So yeah, right, let's start. Like, oh, well, that's Mark Rain sending me money right now. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys have a whole history. It's it's happenstance you came together for this show, but you guys have a whole history together. We do. Yes, we What's do. that all about? So uh, when I graduated from college in 2012, I took a job at uh, Revision Three, is what it was called at the time, and they launched a sub channel called Rev Three Games. Uh, you, a guy that I know, you know, uh, Anthony Carboni. That, that son of a gun. That son of a uh, bitch. He sort of helped get me in the door there as like a YouTube optimization coordinator slash oh, okay, social yeah. media guy. Yeah. And then like I kind of snuck into the background of videos and eventually they started letting me host videos from time to time. And then they hired Adam at one point who I credit as taking like me under his wing and giving me opportunities and being like, here, re review this game. Like, let's see. Let's yeah. See you know, I mean, I, you know, I, we, we wanted to grow what Red 3 Games was. We only had so many resources. So anybody who I could get a hold of that could help expand it. Was it. A beautiful <laughs> confluence of, of Red 3 Games having what I, from the outside looking in, thought of as no money yeah. and me <laughs> wanting to get out of the department I was in. And so he was more than happy to like steal me and be like, hey, review well, the South Park Stick of Truth. Re review Watch Dogs. Yeah. And, well, like, and the I other thing is, to. I mean, Nick, it was, it was great because I knew like ideas about programming, but I really didn't understand anything about the internet. <laughs> you know, I had been working in this older medium called television mm. where there was a large staff and ever so often I could get someone to get me a cup of coffee. So, I mean, I, there, there, there was this kind of terror when I first started doing it where like, I know how to do this from a, a top level, but in terms of like the kind of getting my hands dirty and how this all works and Nick was kind of essential, like something like address the sass. Yeah. I, I didn't know how to set up a Google Hangout. We did. We had, we had a, <laughs> for people who maybe don't know, me and Adam did a recurring weekly show called Address the Cess, which was an hour-long Google Hangout with Rev3 Games fans, and we just put the link out there publicly and let whoever wanted to join join, which is, from a production standpoint, terrifying, because sure. there's no, no real thing from, stopping from anyone from From a Google like, standpoint, because they were quite impressed with the show, because we could get some really good numbers yeah. on it. They came by going like, so how are you doing this? So like, we just put the link just out. just post the like, link to Twitter. That's and, not best practices. No, <laughs> and what's not. funny is, uh, in, in in, in the beginning, it was to see if we could get a couple of my trolls, of which, you know, I had collected enough that I could probably fill every bridge <laughs> in the world. Sure. Never showed up. Of course I mean, not. the door was open for them. Yeah. And we never had anyone who was contentious. I think no. only one person who uh, didn't agree with my um, five-point reviewing system and uh, I, I think I did go off on him a little bit I because mean, like, that one is just so sacrosanct. Just like, don't... That's my soft underbelly. <laughs> Don't go for that week. Will set me off like, on that one. Doing a Google Hangout every week for years. If the worst thing that ever happened was somebody came in and disagreed with our review policy, it's like that's unreal. Yeah, I know. Well, did it they is. have to show their face? Like, was it face? What did you have to use a webcam? The, the way it worked is, you know, the first time first serve were people who got the other windows, and so okay. yeah, they were showing their face. And then there was a chat where we could, you know, other people in the audience, yeah. and that we were able to kind of bounce back and forth from gotcha. everyone. Internet tough guys are rarely tough when you, can, you have to show their face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's that's how we met Gita. Yeah, you know, right yeah. over at Kotaku. Is that oh. she? You know, was like our like one of our no, I would say our most favorite person. Like every time she was available, it's like we had her sneak her in there, times. sneak her in there. I like her a lot. Yeah, um, <laughs> and so we started doing a little bit of like loading it with guests or having other people on. I remember a there was a 
one of the biggest episodes ever, I think, was we had Total Biscuit on. It was uh, right around, around the time t- there was that machinima problem. Yeah, with the controversy. Inc- you know, telling yeah. people, you know, we had tried to get machinima on, but they wouldn't come. And so we had John Bain and. It was the not disclosing and my friend Eric Reynolds. Yeah, or, my, my friend Eric Reynolds. Oh, you, yeah, we know. You, you know him to get it from the PR perspective. Yeah. I think even Steph Shop was there as well. Yeah, yeah. Just giving like the, the sort of the PR perspective. Like how you would handle this. Yeah, it was, it was really, it was, it was a lot of fun. And we were like, of the moment. It felt very timely. Like that was that was sort of my first experience. I think with producing a show myself, even though all the Google skeleton was there, we just put stuff into it, and uh, it was also like interesting because I hadn't hosted or done live stuff before, really ever. And it was Which a lot is of kind asking. of shocking because you take to it like what's one of those metaphors that the old people use? Like duck a to duck water. to water. That's a, a good metaphor. Water, yeah. I, I had He's a, one of these young kids. They they were born with the internet. They don't know the world without it. Yeah, it's true. I, I I have definitely grown up on the internet. And then I also had really good role models in Anthony Carboni and you, just like watching and imitating what y'all were doing, like literally <laughs> copying you guys. Uh, that was that made it a lot easier. I think. No, it was it was it was like it was definitely. I mean, an experimental, not like in a college way, but um, <laughs> but it was interesting where you know, because. I wasn't having to fill a half hour, which is what I was used to before, where it's like there was no more and you know, there's no additional content and there's going to be no less than that. Where it's like, well, we can do as much or as little as we exactly, want. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And then you start to say like, okay, what else could we do? How could we do something differently? I mean, it was really, really and exciting. Breath 3 Games did exist a little bit before Adam came on, but when Adam came on, he brought a really interesting sensibility to it, in- including one of my favorite things we did was uh, skits, like bringing back skits yes. and stuff, which was like a very X-Play thing to do yeah. and something that we probably would never have touched if it weren't for you, but we have all these weird, old, scripted, like yeah. comedy videos that are still <laughs> out there on YouTube for now. Um, for now. <laughs> and, then, and, and to your point, Greg, like everyone from Rev3 Games has moved on to do something pretty cool. Tara Long from Rev3 Games is yep. now my executive producer for Polygon Video. Um, Max Scoville is at IGN. At IGN. I just uh, saw heard him like, yesterday. Zach, Zach Minor is uh, at PlayStation. PlayStation. Yeah, he's a PlayStation. Yeah. Um, like everybody everybody wound up somewhere kind of interesting from that. From that no, it was I went into the sunset and tried to work on a game that like, is like my dream come true. Which was really... Because <laughs> yeah, you're a huge horror fan, right? I'm a huge horror fan and I mean, the, the, the cool part about Friday the 13th was a, you know, I have a lot of affection for the franchise but that it's people who care so much mm. about the franchise and they're going to do it as multiplayer. Yeah. I mean, I can't off the top of my head, I can't point to other multiplayer games that were designed to create horror. They, they, they might be in a horror setting. Yeah. But the whole idea that you have this iconic figure that really if you think about it like the the Jason the hockey mask it's kind of up there with like Mickey Mouse ears and like a Superman emblem. Everybody like knows what that something means, yeah. that you just immediately recognize. Yeah. And you, know, you have that, and you have a game that's violating every rule of game design. It is a deliberately imbalanced game. <laughs> Very that is balanced to be imbalanced. You have, you know, the person playing Jason, you know, has ridiculous amount of power that only gets, you know, m- more so in the course of the game. It, about uh, uh, The more you hurt Jason, because you can bonk him with a baseball bat and, you know, and it gives you a chance to run away, that starts to activate what's called rage mode. And once he hits rage, every other power he has, like, you know, it, it, it refreshes much faster and he can just walk through doors, even if you barricade Jeez. them. Um, you know, so it, it, it's, it's like the point is you're probably going to die, which creates this, just, this wonderful tension and the way that, if you're playing with your friends, Jason shows up watching people freak out. Like you remember like when you're screaming at all the bad decisions that yeah. these teens are making in these movies, you make those decisions. You're the bad teens. And it really was that like, I've never really thought that you could take something that is such a part of like my growing up 
and actually turn it into a process that's, I guess, procedurally generated because other, you know, it's other players playing it, mm-hmm. and it really, really reflects, you know, kind of the, the the memories of watching the movies. So, what's it like to be on the other side now? You've reviewed games for so long, and now here you're the game you helped yeah, make us out. It's, and so it's getting it'll feedback be very interesting. To, you know, obviously, when, when you know, it's, I, oh, I guess as of. People watching this is out in the wild, not right. as of the, the the taping of it. It'll be interesting to see people offer up their opinions as I once would. Yeah, right? yeah. For something that obviously I have a great deal of emotional attachment to. Right. You're and, in the kitchen. This a is bit. going to be a very interesting experience. Um, and I also know to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is entitled to their opinion. <laughs> well, I think the thing, like, you know, I read, uh, I, I jumped into GameSpot's uh, review in progress they had up yesterday, mm-hmm. right? Which is basically like, it's fun, it's got issues, but there, yeah. this is how it's like facial animation or whatever. But like, the gameplay is fun. The nut of gameplay is actually interesting here. And so, like, what I find good about that, because I'm, I'm waiting for PlayStation 4, I want my trophies, but. What I like about that is the fact that I've talked to the development team you guys are working with, mm-hmm. and they are real fans, and they do want to fi- If there's something wrong with the game, they're going to want to yeah. fix it. They, yeah. they see this as a live and service. It, and I think one of the biggest challenges we had to really, because you know, I, I, I came on board to help with the Kickstarter, um, is b- given the significance of the license, uh, understandably, people might make the assumption that this is a team that would, you know, in terms of size and financing, 300 that would people, be- triple the license. A. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is an indie team yeah. that was not making Friday the 13th. They were making an homage game, and then suddenly we're given the Friday the 13th license. So I think they're having to kind of struggle with, like, you know, we're not EA. You know, we are, it, it sure. really is kind of an indie shop and one that's very, very attentive and, and has been very, very transparent with the community because they do want to make this thing for the people that are playing I'm it. So, I'm just so fascinated by the relationship of, like, making a thing that's clearly a tribute to something and then getting to make the real yeah, thing. Like that weird fan dream come true. <laughs> Another thing is, like, um, like it, it would be, I was going to say it would be, like, if Freedom Planet, like, the people who made that got to make a Sonic game. And then I remember that Christian Whitehead, who's the guy making Sonic Mania, yeah. uh, worked on Freedom Planet 2 before making Sonic Mania. And it's just like, just I love getting to talk to game developers who have clearly loved like one thing their whole lives forever and think about it all the time. And then are now in this weird new modern era being given the reins to like make yeah. like the best Sonic game ever or the best Friday the 13th game ever. Well, like it's, you go through the looking glass like that too of then having to think when you get community criticism or feedback the way they would be, right? Like that's the thing of like, this is an anime. Well, where's my code? I was a Kickstarter person. Like, well, we got to do this. We got to get the press going and it's like you know like there's so many moving pieces that you don't know about that i would never know about if i was if i hadn't done years and years of this well and and also just you know watching the game evolve you know i would always be joining in in play sessions you know because i would get you know a a, a look at it because they're playing it all the time and i would come in you know once a week look at it see how it's changed and i would have sort of my fresh eyes on it yeah okay i think that's interesting okay i don't even understand how, how this aspect works it really highlighted something that I always kind of suspected, but it made sense. You know, as press, they would only tell us a little bit of information ever so often. And part of that is when you're designing a game, you're also experimenting. Like you don't, mm-hmm. you, you know what you want in the end, but you have to first implement it to see if it actually works. And the, the difference between on paper, something might seem really, really cool, but then in the game, it, it's like, hold on, that really doesn't work. Or that, you know, it, it's... That's why they don't reveal a ton huh, at the outset because they want to make sure that they are committed to a certain aspect of the game before they're at, you know, because the worst thing they could do is say, we're going to do this, 
And four months later, it's like, yeah, actually, we're not we're taking that, that out. Yeah. JK, not what's happening. You almost never see that happen, and I'm, I'm sure that's a very calculated thing. It's funny because, like, from our perspective, I think, like, that slow trickle of things is just a calculated marketing thing to make us keep talking about the game forever. Yeah, yeah. And to some degree, I'm sure it is that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, there, but it's interesting to note that there's a component of, like, what seems like it would be a cool idea on paper and in your, your design doc doesn't always end up being, like, good game. Yeah, like, it, it, it really, it's like ideas in the head and practical coding and, and like the sense of balance and fun in the game. Mm. You know, a lot of times they're absolutely simpatico and a lot of times like, you know, they, 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 they really don't work together. That's interesting. I've never thought about it in that perspective. And, and, and you went to your point there. Um, there's a lot of cynicism, obviously, about like, you know, what, you know, say a developer is saying when they're made available to the press. Obviously, sometimes they're they're given talking points or also they may not be that comfortable sometimes just sort of talking to the press and so they they you know get coached or, or, or they get ideas but these people work on these games for a long time in absolute secrecy and silence and like when they are talking to people who get to see something for the first time there's a genuine enthusiasm mm. and excitement to like kind of share what you've been doing. And yeah. I, 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 I think sometimes that you know and even I probably got cynical and like would forget about it that you know you're crazy to work in games if you don't love working in games. Mm -hmm. It's it's it, it's not that kind of an industry where there's like this this bounty of benefits <laughs> that are <laughs> happening to you. That it really is passionate and 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 they do want to share what they're doing. And when these press events happen, you know, the next day that that dev team really is paying attention, and seeing what you know what people's thoughts are it's, and stuff like that. I, it's not as yes, there is marketing involved, but it's not like marketing means there's no sincerity sure, whatsoever. Sure. I, have, I have like this like latent guilt about that, about how I feel like the thing that we do, which is play video games when they're done and say if they're good or not, is like by far the easiest slice of the pie. Are you kidding? It's, yeah. It's like, like by making a video game, what you're essentially agreeing to is like to gestate a child, but for like three years. And also when the child comes out, there's like a 60% chance that people are going to be like, your son They're sucks. They're going to beat it with I bats. You're yeah, stupid. Exactly. <laughs> she have a shitty kid. Like, Dude. No, and, and I've actually used a similar analogy to explain why the, the existence of a game leaking is so devastating to a team. Sure. Imagine if someone else announced your pregnancy. Yeah, right. They announced uh, your baby's name before. Yeah. You, like No, I mean, that. This, it's all an interesting thing. I never thought about it from the development perspective, but it's the same thing like with us. Like, we're getting ready for Kind of Funny Life 3, and we have all these new ideas and show announcements and all this stuff. And there's the, I hope it doesn't leak, like, half-heartedly, because then what our audience knows about something really. <laughs> but it is the thing of, like, Tim always stops me, because I always want to say way too much information. He's like, well, we're not 100% sure on that. We're not going to from mm -hmm. that. Because it is that thing, much like a developer who, like, Ken Levine comes out and he's like, yeah, and we're also excited about this thing, the PlayStation Vita, right? And everybody's like, where, for the rest of his career, until that was all blown up, yeah. where's Bioshock Vita? Where's Bioshock Vita? Where's Bioshock? <laughs> yeah. So you can't say anything unless you want to be asked about That's it the rest of your example. life. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. That's also, I mean, I guess it's a cool idea, but it's like, I love Bioshock so much. Like, the idea that, like, small Bioshock just doesn't sound as exciting as the no, Bioshock I played. It could have been awesome. But how sick would it be if they, E3 2017, we do finally see Bioshock? He comes back out, he's yeah, like, I wasn't out. lying, motherfuckers. <laughs> but there's just on one it. copy, and I have it. It's like yep. that Wu-Tang album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Murray can steal it. No one else. Yeah, but no, I, well, you're, to your point, I mean, that's always the thing I apologize to developers for, especially because it happens to me all the time where... Okay, so went down to see 
I want to say Killzone, Horizon, right? At that Horizon press event down in LA and went to a coffee shop across the street beforehand and eventually all the gorilla walked in. And so me and Herman went off to a corner where we're just catching up about his family and what's going on in my life and all this different stuff because we're friends. And I was sitting there talking and eventually this guy turned around at the bar and he's like, I'm sorry, you're Greg Miller, aren't you? And I'm like, oh yeah, man, pleasure to meet you. Da, da, da. And I'm like, so are you here for this event? Are you press? And he's like, oh no, I'm a lawyer. I'm from up the street and da, da, da. I'm like, whoa. And he, he kept talking about PS I love you. And I was like, cool. What do you think of Horizon? And he's like, oh, I mean, you guys talk about it. That's cool. And I'm like, I'm like, and Herman's like, maybe you should pre-order it. And the guy's like, that's weird. But anyways, I know and finally, I was like, this is the guy, the guy in charge <laughs> of the fucking studio of this game. Like, and he's like, oh, cool. Good to meet you. <laughs> Bye. And I was like, I'm sorry that happens to you, that you go out and make the product. And I sit no, here and I'm I've, like, I've, I've had so many situations identical to that. I mean, I think, I think one time I was with Nolan Bushnell. And someone came up, are you Adam Sessler? I'm like, yes, but we owe everything to yeah, this exactly, man right exactly. next to me. <laughs> Yeah, that imbalance, and there's no way to fix it. You know what I mean? Because no. like so many people work on a game and do the stuff. Not to mention that they get to surface once every three years, yeah. do a few little things, and then go back underground to work on it. It's, it's interesting. Like I wonder how much of that is is by choice and how much of it isn't. Like like how many of those there there are. I think there are probably certainly people in game development who don't want to to be the sure. face of something. Conversely, though, like I. I really love the the relatively recent trend, like by recent I mean like the past 10, 15 years of like auteurs in video games who you can name and who are household names, mm-hmm. like the Hideo Kojimas and stuff sure. of the world of just like, that to me feels like a good thing for, for this industry a little bit because 100%. it's like, I, I just, and, and there's also, you can make the argument that pinning a whole game on one person is like ridiculous. It's obviously a huge team effort, but I just, the, exposing the famous the Warren Spector quote in the famous IGN article. <laughs> it's, I just want to, I want to see those people exposed a little more if they're comfortable with it because they're, they're real people. It, it, for me, it was the big thing with Last of Us. Where when Last of Us came, I was like, this is a huge test of where we're at in video games. Because mm-hmm. everyone knows they love Uncharted, but do they understand Naughty Dog made Uncharted? And so now if we go, a Naughty Dog game, does, and obviously we get it, you watching the show get it, but does my friend Poe get it? Right. And he did, and I was like, oh, that's fucking huge, awesome. Um, no, it really is an interesting thing, because I think sometimes we assume that household names truly are household names. And it's, 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 I think it's far less. I'll never forget uh, when Bioshock Infinite was being shown, you know, like that really cool first video they showed yeah. uh, at, uh, at E3, uh, some young person came up to me and he was, hey, Adam Sessler, what's, what's your favorite game of the show? And I just said quite emphatically, like, Bioshock Infinite. And he was just like, really? I mean, I didn't really like Bioshock 2. And it's like, yeah, but Ken Levine's yeah, yeah. doing, right. and it's, now, but to be fair, baseball, I was a little right? stunned this happened at E3. I mean, yeah, if this yeah, happened yeah, on the yeah, street, yeah. I'd be very, very forgiving. Yeah, yeah. But it, it is that, like, I know that, you know, they change teams, you know, b- b- between games. That's but inside baseball, that, right? Like, very, yeah. very inside baseball. And I was also more interested if, you know, if, if The Last of Us, I mean, I still found that to be one of the most deliberately, like, the violence was so unpleasant. Sure. And I'm like, wow, is this game even going to find that kind of an audience like Uncharted yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it did. I think that should be yet another reason why a company like Ubisoft should be confident with a game like Far Cry 5. Yeah. That, yeah. that People are ready to take on subject matter that is more than just pure entertainment. Mm-hmm. My only concern with Far Cry 5 again though is will that weight be there? Because yeah. there was no, the no. weight of the last one. the weight is there. And you wanted to feel bad, yeah. yeah. Whereas if it is just like, bam, into my chopper up, I'm skydiving. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, this is really Those two <laughs> things have to coexist, and I think it's never going to coexist perfectly. There's always yeah, going to be course. some dissonance there. But I, what I hope for is let there be dissonance there, 
but still tell the, the the really weird brave story that it feels right. like they're trying to tell and like well that was back to the watchdogs example i jumped into a i was playing we were all playing watchdogs single player but jumped into a room with uh, mitch dyer and james uh, faulkner now of twitch and uh we were talking about it and they made a comment about the rubber bullets they were firing and i'm like what are you talking about like oh well the way we justify playing this game and the narrative is that anybody we're killing we're knocking them down with rubber bullets <laughs> and i was like you guys fire your guns and they're like you don't i'm like no i use the rc robot for everything maybe i stun gun a guy and run away maybe but you feel bad about it exactly yeah, exactly I, I think it was mainly gang members i used my gun with because they were really trying to kill me but sure. everyone else seemed like they were just trying to stop me yeah and it just didn't it didn't seem right <laughs> no a, a fun thing also it's finally happening now is um the way i'm playing games I, you know, back when I reviewed games, and I, I just I felt like I needed to be up to date on everything. Oh, so no, I you, would just I would just consume them. You stop this argument right here. This is remember we're doing the Patreon exclusive. Oh, this about is the, this. Pay, this is the yeah, bonus episode. Yeah, yeah, you can get the bonus episode of the Gamescast. We're doing that after this about how we play games Sorry, differently now. I was, I was more I, rambling. I, how dare you have a good conversation on a podcast, sir? We put that behind a paywall until it goes live for free a month later. <laughs> That's how the bonus episodes of the Gamescast go. Go over to patreon.com slash kindoffunny. Give a dollar. You'll get that episode on what? Kevin, last Saturday of the month for yeah, last Saturday of the month. This Saturday. It was right there. And right after this. You, hear, you like this on Friday? You get it on Saturday. There you go. There you yeah. Go. Now, Nikki. Mm-hmm. Nikki Rotten. Yes. What about the jump to Polygon? Was that straight from Rev3? More or less. It's funny. There, was a, there were a few months in between where I had this idea that I could go from Rev3 games to, like, I actually, very, very early on in the, the early, early days of, of Patreon, I built out a Patreon campaign and, like, yeah. had gone to their offices and, like, was, like, a few days away from launching it when the Polygon offer became a real thing. I was actually nice. literally walking out the door of Rev3 games when I got a message from Phil Kohler who was like, hey, we're hiring a YouTube person. Do you want to do YouTube videos for us? And I was like, yeah, that's, I like YouTube videos, sure. Um, and it, it wound up eventually coming to fruition. And it was interesting because I was the first video hire for Polygon. So there was really, it was a very, very clean slate. Like, like Griffin McElroy had started sort of doing video stuff and and everyone on at Polygon had kind of been dipping their toes in the water here and there. But I was the first person who had like video in my job title. Um, And as a result, we had this like very like open-ended do whatever we want mentality and we, we still kind of are that way like all of us still have the keys to the YouTube channel we could still theoretically upload anything and, and no one would get in in trouble like there's not a ton of oversight and I, I <laughs> Adam took a deep breath I he's know. like I don't know it's it's just sorry as as someone who once managed people in the video realm that yeah. just makes the little heart go it's, <sighs> it's so I just I, I hope we don't never lose that because I think what's rad about our channel is like like one of our one of my coworkers Pat who's like our, our most recent hire he made this video as a joke and distributed in our Slack channel of him um with a photo of Toad from Super Mario yeah. with an adult diaper and adult hairy I legs photoshopped that. onto it and he was like Today I'm going to tweet this at Nintendo and try to get them to retweet it. And I was, and immediately as soon as I saw it, I was like, "Pat, please, I am begging you, post this on our YouTube channel. This is the funniest thing I've ever seen, and it is so in line with this weird direction we've taken." And he did, and it's like, I literally every, I, I guess it's coming out on Tuesdays now, um, but I, I wake up every week like excited that I get to watch a new episode of Please Retweet the show where he kind of gently harasses the Nintendo America Twitter account. Um, last week when that happened. I lost 90 minutes trying to figure out what on earth it was. Right. I was so close to texting you going, Nick, <laughs> what your the old hell is friend, this? by like, your aged friend, <laughs> cannot understand what you youths are doing out there on the internet. <laughs> but I've been losing all this valuable time trying to figure out what this toad thing it is. Together. <laughs> um, yeah, and so we, we just have gotten... 
like the first year of me at Polygon was me, and I still do some of this, like going to events, getting a lot of gameplay videos, yeah. doing like impressions things and like sort of uh, videos of us playing a game and talking about how we, we feel about the game part of the game. And over time, and I think that the thing that kind of like broke the, the camel's back was we had our first big video meeting in 2015 and it was all of us together in person for the first time, including Justin and Griffin McElroy. And they pitched a lot of shows. They've never been together before? No, they've never. Yeah, wow. they separated at birth. It's funny. Um, but we were all together. And, <laughs> Gypsies took them yeah. in different uh, directions. They, they were, we all got together and we were pitching it and, and Justin and Griffin were both like, I think we should try doing comedy videos. And one of the shows they pitched was Monster Factory and they had the name at the time. Yeah. And Monster yeah, Factory yeah. is now like the bread and butter of our channel. It's like the most popular thing we do Explain by a landslide. If you don't know what Monster Factory is, it's a show where Justin and Griffin, uh, two brothers uh, and noted comedian podcast personalities who I've been a fan of since like literally all throughout like college I just listened to my brother my brother and me um, and people are starting to notice that like people are listening to the back catalog of their old show and being like in episode 51 <laughs> in like 2013 they thank Nick Robinson and he didn't work with them until like three anyways um, they they do a show called Monster Factory where they play the character creator of a video game and try to make the ugliest most horrifying creature possible but they do it in this like weirdly loving affectionate way they, they really take this character like into their arms and then they play Play the game as this horrible monster and it's like it's the funniest thing in the world just because their comedic chemistry is sure, so good sure. and and i think that show primed our audience and helped us gain a subscriber base who is down to clown with like this weird bullshit like carboys yeah. and and please retweet and simone's show seo play which is her looking at the google autocomplete stuff for things and answering them in these horribly not helpful very inaccurate ways um like uh, we we now have an audience who's like down for us to be weird and doesn't just want like pure raw games coverage and that rules it's People so gratifying. like to laugh and i it turns think, out yeah i i, I think also look the world feels like a serious place. I would just let you know. I can feel it in my pocket. I bet mom? you that's my mom that's calling. Right. Uh, <laughs> mom assessment. <laughs> um, and I, I, I think, you know, obviously, you know, there's so much value in, in, in stuff that's serious about games. But, you know, we, we know how caustic it sometimes can get. And I think there's a lot of people out there that, you know, really just want to kind of just have fun and enjoy games. And I think the comedy, that levity... <laughs> You know, I, I sure. use that word very deliberately. You know, it, I, I think it really helps and it helps people kind of make people feel like they are welcome in the fold, that it isn't just, you know, people throwing mud at one another because they have differing opinions. Yeah. Are you finding a different audience between Polygon.com and the Polygon YouTube channel? It, it definitely feels like it because like every once in a while, I'll try to do a video on Polygon that's like actual games coverage. Yeah, like yeah. I, I did a, an Amiibo unboxing for uh, Fire Emblem Echoes the other week and literally every comment on it was a joke referring to another show we have called Griffin's Amiibo Corner where he he puts amiibos in his mouth and rates them on their mouthfeel. So it's like these two things coexist. <laughs> like, 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 like great British baking show with like, oh, it's got a good crunch. It's got yeah, a good more bite. Or less, yeah, more or less. yeah the layering the on, 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 on the Yoshi really works. So it, it is, it's, I mean, it's a good point. Like the, the, the vibe of Polygon.com and the vibe of our YouTube channel is like, there's an interesting incongruousness there. Well, because I remember when Polygon launched, it was, in, it was meant to, or not meant, I shouldn't put words in the mouth. Well, the way it was interpreted is like, we are a refined site for reti refined video game fans, mm -hmm. right? We're not going to clickbait. We're not going to do the journalism. We're going to be up here doing the features, doing this. And I remember when it was a big deal, you added video. I remember when that did that announcement did come down. And I remember the first time I went there and saw a Supergirl review by Colin Campbell. Right. And I was like, this is a, I mean, it's cool, but I know Colin and I don't, we never talked about Supergirl. Right. And it's like, he's giving this very detailed. And I'm like, all right, all right. Yeah. What did you think of this episode? And there is still some of that, like, like Colin's an interesting one because his job title is not video related, but he just like loves making videos and we love encouraging him to do it and like yeah. walking him through it and stuff. Um, but it's, you're, you're right. Like, 
like it's it's the polygon that I joined in 24 2015 is like a pretty different polygon from the polygon that existed when they launched in what 2012 I yeah, think and, yeah. and is even more different from the polygon that exists today in 2017 where we make jokes about like metaphysical universes being rendered apart by uh crash test dummy gods like sure that's it, a knee slapper yeah it's that's comedy that's comedy 101 <laughs> that's what they teach you in improv classes is to get into a vehicular horror series and just ride that all the way to the all the way to the top which you have <laughs> yep no congratulations yeah. um yeah I, I, I don't know what we're i mean i have some ideas about what we're going to do next but it's a weird act we just basically for, for people who don't know we wrapped up this show called carboys which was us playing a lot oh, of people you. love carboys in the comments when they said you were coming on explain carboys so carb oh god how do i don't know it started out as there's a game called beamng.drive on steam and it's a it's this german uh, car crash simulator game. It's basically a vehicle game with really, really robust physics. So you drive a car into a wall, put it in slow motion, and you just watch it crumple beautifully. And it was going to be just a one-off video of me and Griffin playing that, but I cut it up into three separate videos. People were like, y'all should make this a series. We went back, edited the video titles, rebranded it as Carboys. And over time, this accidental narrative emerged of like the game was glitching out in some specific and horrifying ways. <laughs> and Griffin's just like an inherently creative guy. And I just followed his lead. We started putting music in the show. We started doing weird editing tricks. There's one episode where uh, the window freaked out and resized itself. And the way it resized itself turned it into like anamorphic widescreen. So I put black and white, like two black bars on top of it and had it slowly fade in. So it looks like a like a Christopher Nolan trailer. And it's like, <laughs> it just, it got away from us and nothing about it was intentional and nothing about it was planned. And it's a weird position to be in to be like, what do we do next? How do we follow an accident? You know? Um, uh from from the upcoming reader mail segment, which will mm -hmm. be topic number four, uh, Omer Tungura says, does making a show like Carboys inspire you, Nick, to pursue more narrative-based storytelling on YouTube? Uh, um, it's so weird because like when I was a kid, I was like, when I grow up, I want to write for EGM or whatever. Oh, yeah, and then did. over time, that became I want to work on a YouTube channel and do reviews of video games. Um, at no point ever in any of the years I've been alive was the goal make like a a, a sci-fi horror car show that makes people cry like that was not on the <laughs> menu at any point um and so it i mean it's been fun and it's something that i don't want to force again and i don't want to put us in that you know how many youtubers do you know who have fallen victim to pigeonholing themselves into again. vehicular yeah, horror yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's just a classic oh, it, that's every, how everybody falls everybody, it's, it's, everyone it's, just ends up making vehicular horror it's, it's, cinema it's, it's, it's one of those things i know exactly how you feel like okay we want to do it again but like how do you recreate something that was never intended in the yeah. first place and kind of you know with, with x-play when we had the special episodes I mean, the first time we did it, which you know, was when I was playing Hunter S. Thompson and Morgan was playing Amelia Earhart. We go out into the desert and we meet um, Alistair Crowley, and you know, then we die at the end. Um, that was just like we just felt like doing something different. Yeah, and we're like this. Oh, that's right. No, we just wanted to blow something up. Sure. And we knew that we finally had the budget because we become G four and we we're no longer Tech TV, which like it was like, hey, uh, you're gonna pay for those shorts. That you're going to wear on air. <laughs> right. like, like, there was no award or anything like that back in the Detective E days. Um, and it's like, okay, let's, let's let's blow something up. And then we just kind of constructed this bullshit story to go around yeah. it. Just so we go out in the desert and explode things. And it so resonated with the audience that there was like this, okay, we're going to do more of these special episodes. And, and, and some of them, like the zombie episode, I think was, was, was great. But there was that point where once it becomes something that you have to do, mm -hmm. it... it, it, it it changes the creative process. Yeah. It, it works against how it yeah, started. Where exactly. it started, let's do something stupid and fun, and then now it is a job. Now it is a yeah. thing. Yeah. Now it is a sketch. Yeah, actually, that, that was <laughs> that was one of those things that, and this happens, I think, in a lot of places when you kind of go into pitch meetings. 
Um, be very careful sometimes about what you pitch. Like, don't riff necessarily because if you haven't thought it through, you still might be forced to make it. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's and and that's also. I mean, like that speaks to why we kind of decided to end Carboys is because me and Griffin both felt really strongly from the jump. We were like. We would rather make too little of this show than too much of it. Mm-hmm. We, let's yeah. end it if we find a natural point to end it, and let's like not overstay our welcome. I want people to wish there was more of it rather than that, be like, that, this show is tired and I wish there was more of it. That's a very good philosophy. Never be told to go away. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> like, that was my fear is that people would get tired of it, and I, I'm really grateful that our audience stuck around until the end. And to, to actually answer uh, this, this person's question, um, we have ideas for what we're going to do to follow up Carboys. We're still doing our series uh, touch the Skyrim, which is we modify Skyrim until it's unrecognizable. We have an episode going up. Uh, it'll, actually, it'll be up by the time people see this, where we reskin the game, the game to make every single NPC a f- uh, sort of like a like have a furry vibe, like with ears and a tail, because we're because sure. we're playing as the Animal Crossing villager. But then we discover a spell that lets us suck everyone into a gravitational field, including cows, which the game considers people. And then they form this horrible. It looks like you know the game Inside. Yeah, it looks like the end of Inside, oh, no. kind of. Wow. It's like, and so like this is whether I like it or not. Our wheelhouse is now just doing video game hell stuff. And <laughs> we have the market cornered on video game hell. So to, to stop, I'll stop talking about this now, but it, I think I know where we're going next to fill the Carboys gap. It's not something that we've talked about like publicly yet. I want to shoot boat an boys. episode and make sure, yeah, Boat Boys. Well, we've been playing PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, which is effectively Boat Boys because we always end up landing near a boat and then driving around until somebody murders us. So, nice, okay. Um, the green fog gets you. Yeah. Can I on yeah, you can, Andy yeah. Cortez from Kind of Funny. Come on over here. Wait, wait, give me a Carboys yeah, sure. comment. He's get, I got to get, get, get up on it. Oh, on the big, big fan of the show. Thank Love you so Cowboys, much. By the way, um, the I was trying to draw comparisons to how I felt. Are you trying to do weird stuff behind me? Oh, okay. Uh, I was trying to come up with comparisons with how I felt at the end of Carboys, the finale. I was watching it live. I was here. And the best comparison I had was that when I beat Bioshock Infinite, I was dating a girl at the time. I was at her apartment. And she had maybe watched the first five hours with me of me playing that game, and then she tuned out or whatever. And at the end, I, f- I just needed someone to talk to about it. And, I, and, and Kevin was in the, his office behind me, and I'm standing there, and I'm just like, oh, my God, like, this is fucking incredible. And, I, and I've seen every episode, right? And I like, I'm looking at Kevin, I'm like, do I start trying to explain to Kevin what this series is about <laughs> so that he can maybe vibe with me a little bit, just yeah. a little bit? Uh, and, and so I didn't or whatever. Uh, but I was just like on Twitter, like, holy shit, fucking Carboys. What a great fucking finale. And the next day, I tried to explain to Nick, and for like t- after 30 seconds, Nick uh, Scarpino is just like, okay, that, that's that's pretty cool. You know, he just doesn't get it. You know, Nick, Nick sucks. We hate him. Nick doesn't fucking get it. But I just wanted to put my two cents in. I thought it was fucking great. Thank Nick. you. That means Super a great. lot. It's the, we have been, I've never. This is something that I think you like both of y'all have probably dealt with your entire lives, but I had never had happen before, which is having an overwhelming amount of people celebrate you stopping doing something in a, in a really <laughs> nice way. Yeah, like, yeah, in a really heartfelt like people being like just people saying they not made, dancing <laughs> on the grave. <laughs> yeah, not. I don't think I, I didn't see any of that, but yeah, I did yeah. see a lot of people being like this. This series legitimately was emotionally touching to me. And like that was so never the plan. And every time someone says something nice about it on the internet, I, I, it's, it's so unexpected and so flattering. Like it's, it's weird for you. Is there a juxtaposition of that between 
okay, there's the fans of the goofy shit you're doing. Mm-hmm. There's the Polygon fans who I assume the hardcore ones are like, well, this isn't what the site, it's supposed to be this. And then there's the general, I don't know, but I have an opinion about how Polygon writes. Because Polygon writing is often controversial. There's mm-hmm. like, I have, I have a very bold opinion I'm going to put out there and talk about it yeah. and defend. It's, it, I mean, it's, I think we have, we're lucky in that we have this delineation between our YouTube channel and our website that makes it really clear. Like YouTube, Polygon's YouTube was really small when I came on. And so the, the vast majority of the subscriber base are people who know what they're getting into with Monster Factory and, and Carboys and like the jokey stuff. So like there is not really a contingent of like hardcore Polygon lifetimers in our YouTube channel in the comments okay. being like, this is not this. Why is this not serious? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and conversely, like the, the website kind of exists in, in its own sort of bubble too. And so I, I think there is there is, is an element of, I guess, brand confusion of like when someone says they love Polygon, that could mean any of a million sure. different things right now. And so that's also like a conversation we're having of like, what what is Polygon in 2017? It's so many different things at once. And I actually think that's kind of cool. Well, that's awesome. but, but, but the thing is, when it was first named Polygon, it was the idea of something with many sides. Multifaceted, right. exactly. So, I mean, it's almost like it's kind of coming into... Yeah. It's growing it's, into it's, what it's, it should it's be. And if you could go back and tell Chris Grant in 2012 that one of those sides was going to be a show about making a banana man running around like Tamriel and, and just spawning hundreds and hundreds of ghost boys everywhere, yeah. like... I don't think that was one of the planned sides, but I think it works. I think it like, I think it hopefully works today. Like, no, it reminds me a lot, honestly, of when I was working at IGN, and it was the thing of like, well, you guys gave this game this score, and I'm like, or you did this, I'm like, I didn't do that. <laughs> I, didn't I don't do like, well, this opinion piece, and I'm like, I don't agree with that person. What do you? There were, there's a million people working yeah, here. That's and, and that's still, I think, a fascinating problem. And you know, we, obviously, we dealt with this, sure, you know, over over at G4. I mean, there was, you know, there was G4TV.com, which was a, a fundamentally independent entity from that of Xplay, and there were, th- you know, so if someone says something over there, does it reflect, you know? On X play, and then there's the entirety of G4. I begged and begged and begged um, like game companies, like if they wanted to get like use our score in an ad or pull a quote. I'm like, could you use the person's name yeah. alongside yeah. the outlet and not just the outlet itself? I know where they're coming from because like if it's a movie, it's like marvelously entertaining, New York Times. Yeah, yeah that yeah, means yeah, a yeah. lot. I I know where they're coming from, but it does foster this misconception that everyone is sort of monolithic. Yeah. If I could just, if I had the magic ability to tell every single person in the like great video games audience, one thing, if I could dispel one myth, it's, I would want to dispel the idea that a website is a single entity that holds one opinion. Like it, or like to use IGN as an example, when people are like, they gave imagine babies a 7.5. It's like, there is no, they though. One human being gave one game, one score, another human being gave another game, another score. And the same thing can be said of game publishers and game developers. Mm -hmm. It's like all of, us are kind of I always liken it that we're like the Chinese uh, Communist Party like, like like on the national level it's that there's a lot of tension in fighting that goes on but when they speak they speak with one big right. voice mm. but don't think that that you know necessarily means everyone is in lockstep coming to whatever that voice sure. is I mean my god there were knockdown dragout fights at G4 over, over certain game reviews oh yeah yeah, you know, because it was not necessarily reflective of the opinions of of, of everybody else. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that happened at, at oh, IGN. Yeah, geez, it, it's, Anytime there was a top 25, a top 100, it was like, fuck off. I oh, hate you. Oh, I, I hate this and I hate that. you. I mean, why is it that the thing that gets the most clicks is easily like the, the, like a recipe for just disaster and the loss of friendships inside of, of, of the press outlets? Um, yeah, and so I guess the, like it does occasionally happen where every once in a while someone will show up in my Twitter mentions yelling at me 
about an, an article that someone on the other side of the country wrote right. that's, an, that's marked as an opinion piece. And I'm just like, I, I'm so, I woke up today and like put on a bathrobe and made a YouTube video about having sex with Crash Bandicoot. Like I didn't, I'm not the person you want. You got the wrong guy. <laughs> Your monocle like, fell out. Like, right. Wait a second. It's just so, it's just funny to me that like people expect a, an, an outlet to be one like it's just not realistic to expect everyone to agree with everything that goes up on every like on the on the website that they work for. It's just not real life, or or for it to all even have the same shared voice. I think like sure. it's. it's so, just, I mean, when you get to be these big outlets, right? That's the power that like I think the small things have of like kind of funny breaking away, right? And we have this voice, and this yeah. is who we are, and we're yeah. able to do that. And I think to some degree, our YouTube channel is that too. Of like as we've pivoted from making game centric stuff to personality centric stuff like people know what to expect from the people on our YouTube channel and they know that we're different people and they know what I like and what Griffin likes and what Simone likes and, sure. and it's it, I think that that delineation has actually made it not as weird as maybe it seems from the outside well like, it's also one of the things when you have when you're on camera when you have all this content and people connect it with your person more than when I used to read IGN or GameSpot or whoever or EG, well EGM doesn't count I actually did know but like GameSpot and IGN you go read the review and like well IGN said this game was whatever yeah. whereas EGM was well Shoe said this and Crispin said this mm. and you know guest reviewer here that, that was you know in, in, in retrospect there was a lot of wisdom in that system yeah, yeah. The, the sort of like this and even just anything that like the second opinion format in yeah. magazines helped really bring to the forefront these are individual human beings who have uh, like opinions on things this is not the end all be all and it's been fun to get away from this like clinical idea that reviews are or even can be objective like i'm glad yeah. that that's fading into the background and we're I, yeah i mean once again i know i'm at odds with many of my former colleagues on this and i've always felt that you know part of the issue was because you know you you are still reviewing it as a product and as a cultural mm -hmm. product and that product part becomes the trap where the review is then it kind of signals like what someone's purchase intent mm -hmm. should be for the game and well you know this i wanted to get as far away from that as possible i'm like i'm just giving you my opinion yeah. what you do with this opinion you know, you know like if, if if i like the game and you and your copy of the game turns out to be buggy like don't come to me because <laughs> like, that's not what I'm talking I want to talk about that as little as possible. Mm -hmm. you know, that My argument was always like, there's no scientific method. This is yes. when, when IGN, I, I, I lived through the 100 point scale and then we switched to the 20 point scale and then we came back to 100 points. And my arguments against 100 points is like, why? Why are we going to 8.3, 8.2, 8. It's not like I'm sitting there going, well, the fun factor. And like I have these vials and like <laughs> yeah, lab yeah. coats. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Fun factor. Ah. Well, and, and, and some of that is because game reviews started in tech publications mm. where that's entirely like, like you can benchmark a graphics card. You can benchmark a PC and that, you know, obviously one of the original websites, GameSpot was part of Ziff Davis. And so it was kind of this inheriting of a very sensible review format mm -hmm. that, um, you know, really maybe in the beginning when games are far more simplistic, you yeah. know, it worked. Yeah. But as that medium expanded, we've kind of maintained this baggage of a way of thinking that really doesn't work well now. Yeah. Okay. Topic number three, Cool Games Incorporated. Yes. I was unaware of this show. So Cool Games Inc. is a podcast that I do with my good friend Griffin McElroy mm -hmm. every week, uh, where the premise is, is this. This is Griffin's idea, and I adore it to death. Um, every week, people submit uh, ideas for video games to us, uh, and the idea might be something like, to pull something from this week's episode, uh, available, a, now available now on Polygon. Available now on Polygon on iTunes and wherever podcasts are sold. Sold? 
Yeah, sure. Sold. Um, people will submit an idea like the for Amazon example, for free. Uh, one, one of the ideas this week was Mario and Sonic at the Eurovision Song Contest, <laughs> okay. and, and so me and Griffin oh. sit there and we just go through these ideas and we explore like, okay, what what would Waluigi bring to the table versus what Big the Cat would bring to the table at gotcha, a Eurovision gotcha, gotcha. like competition? Okay. And so it's it's really great because it's offloaded virtually all of the creativity to our our fans and our yeah, listeners. Of course. They submit the ideas to us. We pick the ones that we find funniest and we sort of spitball until we pick the nug, the one that we think is like the, the kernel. Yeah, and that that becomes the the title of the episode and that becomes like the oh. thing and so um we just it's just kind of a fun like it, me and griffin spitball stupid ideas all like for an hour once a week and then pick our favorite and that becomes our release so when, games inc releases a game when is it when is the show when is the game released every week the week the game is released every uh friday okay usually at night because i'm a procrastinator well i, I want to turn our show the games cast over to you for one topic yeah. uh, the audience wrote in with oh all God. sorts of suggestions for Elevator pitch ones, so not we can we can we, yeah. or your it's your decision, it's your show now. We can do one and spend fifteen minutes with it, or we can bop around. Bob oh, so at least one of these means. one at least one of these people is like is definitely a person after my own heart. Specifically, making a Phantom Dust reference just to make me happy, which I really like. So let's let's so we do a thing. <laughs> yeah, I saw that, and they, and they're grouping me in with that. Like, oh yeah, I, you're I, part I, of it now, but I know he's into the Phantom Dust. I am. I, on the other hand, I don't. I kind of remember when that game came it was out. A thing, understandably. Yeah. yeah, and I think I went. You're gonna review this to somebody else. <laughs> so like that. This is. I remember the G4 TV a Phantom a Dust, Dust free review area. The, the, I think the G4 TV fan of Best Review complained about the camera, and I remember like 16 year old me being very angry about that fact. Um, you were that guy. I was. I probably left a shitty comment. I was honestly. about to say, it's yeah. <laughs> Call <called> G4. <laughs> um, so we do a thing uh, sometimes on Cool Games Inc. called the kind of rapid fire thing, where sure. we just run through ideas real quick. If anything catches our eye, then we can kind of elaborate on it. But I'll just start reading. Okay. Um, Forrest Suarez suggests Nap Simulator VR. I mean, I like that one. Here's what I like about that one. Yeah. So it's a VR game. VR experiences should be short and punchy, right? Mm -hmm. You have, you're in VR and you have, you, the setup beforehand is that you've been up all night working. You're up for, you've been up for 40 hours. You are crashing. So your vision's fading. You're doing yeah. this. You have to build the best nap in 60 seconds. Oh God. And so there's like pillows around and blankets and hammocks and beds and like there's, but there's like proximity to the road. Uh, there's right. a drippy faucet, shit like that. You have to worry about to you, find the optimal space. There are like, for example, as, as someone who takes an occasional nap, I, I think there are, <laughs> there are pros and cons to taking a couch nap versus a bed nap. Mm -hmm. And that's something mm -hmm. you got to factor in. Ooh, yeah. I don't need, I don't, I don't even think about doing a bed nap. I, mean, couch, I dabble huh? in naps myself. Yeah, yeah. I am all couch. All couch all yeah, the time. Actually, you know what I found? You know, I usually need like sounds, like the radio or something sure, to be able sure. to take a nap. Yeah, yeah. I found exactly what works for me. Uh, I go on Netflix and they have like all 27 seasons of forensic files. Oh, oh no. Which That's kind is, of a spooky thing to follow. It's just but, but it, no, the way it flows is just it's just rudimentary and it like and 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 and, and flat and with then. its voice with with, it, with its voiceover and boom, I go to sleep in like 2 minutes. Uh oh. when when we were in New York for Polygon's like big video team meeting, uh, I shared a hotel room with my co-host Griffin McElroy who God, is How many times can you say Griffin's name? I love podcast. to say Griffin McElroy's okay. name. It's fun to say. It's, there's a there's a rhythm of the it's like a punchy. Now, do you say sure. Justin's name as much as Griffin's That's just name? Justin. But Griffin McElroy, I say the full name wow. every time. Wow. This um, requires deep Justin McElroy is mine, all right? That's an Oriation thing. McElroy, yeah. that's a fun The one. McElroy uh, moment. Literally went on for 30 episodes of Oriation before somebody's like, you're saying his name wrong. <laughs> it's like, God damn it. He never corrected you, you, you me. You don't just do J-Mac and G-Mac? That's really good. Uh -huh. I, man, how has that not come up before? Anyway, what I was going to say is uh, we shared a hotel room, and he's way into the white noise the, uh, the white, white noise, noise for sleeping, okay. and I was I was blown away at how much it affected me. I really 
the white noise just conked me right out. Really? That could be a power. That could be something you, a direction you spec in for your mm. nap VR game. Now I do. I will say this. It says nap simulator VR, and the idea of simulating a nap in VR is essentially just putting on a headset that's not plugged in. That's what a nap is oh, like. Ooh, right, so that's right, a free right, game right. that yeah, everyone yeah. has. If you have a VR headset, you <laughs> close have your eyes at home right now. See, yeah. You're so playing. So many of my naps are also like anxiety dreams. Oh, so that's another mm. way that you can look at it. Mm. You know, where it's like, hold on, I, 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 I can't mail the letter, but they need to get the check. What do you, you mean? Know? There's a final today. I haven't been to this class all semester. I started having those again. It's really, really weird. I'm back in school, and wow. I, I've, I've had actors' nightmares repeatedly in the past few months where they're pushing you on stage, you know, where like, like, I'm suddenly in a play and I, I don't, you know, I have not learned the lines. Oh, one of them was like Shakespeare. I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't dick my way through this one. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah, the other one is like, I'm suddenly taking a test that I haven't studied for. The, the anxiety dream that I share with, with uh, my siblings and a lot of my friends who are also big Dance Dance Revolution players, mm-hmm. I, I found from talking to people, I thought this was just me, and then I realized over talking to DDR players, it is not just me. Oh, no. There's a recurring performance anxiety nightmare that people who play a lot of Dance Dance Revolution have, where you go to an arcade and you go to play DDR, and the machine is somehow fucked up. Like for me, it's frequently the the front of the machine is like covering up the top arrow, so I can't quite hit it right. Mm. Or as people have told me, they've had ones where the DDR machine is extremely tiny, or like the pads are just broken, or arrows are missing. And so it's like it's I think for DDR players who go to play in an arcade and you're performing in a public place, this is our version of like a, a like the the stuff you're talking about with being in a play or something and not knowing yeah. the script. Like you go well, I, to perform and you can't, and it's not your fault. I guess what's interesting is the dedication that's on display. It's like. You know, most reasonable people is like, I'm not doing that tiny exactly. DDR machine. No, it's like, no, I have, I have to. to play. I'm not I gonna have to. My I, credibility has been challenged as a DDR master. <laughs> it's I've, I don't I can't remember the last time I walked into like a like an arcade or a mall and saw a DDR machine and didn't play it. Like you just have a when you play the game, you have a physical compulsion to do it any chance you get, even if the pad is a nightmare. I've I've played at beaches before with sand in the pad and it's not ideal. But this wait 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 wait. Explain DDR at the beach. So uh, you, know, you, don't, you don't get to walk away from that. Yeah, man, we built easily. an arcade in the sand. <laughs> Surprise, not a bigger. Ocean Isle Beach like in North Carolina. Carlisle DDR smash up. Yeah, smash there up. was a at the pier at Ocean Isle Beach, North Carolina. They had like a DDR Max Two cabinet there, right on the beach, which is like seems like a very obvious idea that that's going to be a problem. Um, but my fond memory there was actually having a friend stand behind the DDR machine holding a cup while I played, and he requested tips, and we got like three dollars, and that nice. was enough to play another yeah, year yeah. DDR. And I was like, man, that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful that's thing. Awesome. Look at that, just just. The cycle of the life. The video game hustle never it, <laughs> you can, you can't start too early. All right, give me another game. Yeah, all right. All right here's another one. Um, Chris Berg says, "Hitman, but set in a high school drama department. You're a vengeful understudy willing to do anything for a top billing or a top killing." Yeah. They didn't say that. I said. That. Yeah. See, I, when I when I read it what, off of Twitter when I was copying it, I it Hitman, but in high schools. Yeah. And then I, even I, here, it's like I think we have to comically take people out right away. Yeah, totally. You I, can't. I, no killing. Nobody's no, no murder. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. you're like. You you maybe oh god what would be some things like you got the sandbags then knock them out right yeah, yeah. The side of it's the ra- yeah. this game is rated teen yeah because it's about teen yeah, yeah, exactly. t14 yeah, yeah exactly so you have the sandbags uh you swap out the lines mm. and so like good, he ends up thing. doing another play good at thing. rehearsal and so he gets thrown out sure you could like as the understudy you could be getting getting him his his Dr Pepper and maybe you put a little bit of some sort of diuretic in the beverage right exactly yeah I'm thinking like high school things how how do we make his uh, acne break out like yeah. where they can't perform oh you replace the makeup with like bacon grease or something yes there you go. ooh okay. Okay. that's 
This is good. That's horrible. Hey, no. man, it's, it was, it, we're helping out getting the part. You know I what know, I mean? I know, we're trying, I know, but I was just like, yeah, bring oh, some, I just put this different. Bring some 2017 into it. We hack their Facebook. We, he leaves his Facebook, his phone unattended. We post something ma- bad on Facebook, not about killing. Yeah. Someone about, I don't know, what, drugs? <laughs> dick pics, maybe, something like that. Our dick? Yeah. Y'all are really good at this, by the way. I would love to have you, both y'all on. Oh, thank you. We haven't done a guest in like seven months, but we should get what back. What happened to that last guest? Uh, I don't want to talk about it. They, okay. They're gone. Bacon grease makeup. Bacon grease makeup. <laughs> uh, Colin Ray Parker suggests, Master Pastor Blaster, your congregation all fell into a hole in the church and becomes radiated mutants. You must now fight and contain them, which feels like maybe this could be like a Far Cry 5 DLC situation. Sure. Maybe. This is like the Blood Dragon. Yeah, the, exactly. The Blood Dragon. Ah, yeah, precisely. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, let's keep let's keep doing rapid fire. Gavin uh, Gav Games on Twitter suggests a game where you are only armed with a car battery and jumper cables. I'm trying. What would that control like? I think it's just that's those are the only thing you have to swing. The, like you're yeah. swinging the jumper cables to hit people. Oh, well, see, I was thinking you're not armed. You're just like the best Samaritan. You're just you know oh. someone out there needs a jump. Yeah, just yeah, open. Yeah. It's what we were talking about earlier. It's the GTA guy, but only yeah. playing as a cop. Yeah. Right. You're just wandering this game looking to jumpstart like, cars. Someone's gonna really be happy that I'm here. My head definitely went to combat. For some reason, right? That yeah, it's, yeah. Everyone has, and I'm almost oh, imagining. everyone. Have you, have you played Arms on the Nintendo Switch? At no, all? I haven't yet. That I'm imagining a, like an Arms-like character Ooh. who you've got the left and right jumper cables. You need to attach both of them. I, and here's zap them. here's what I'm thinking. I like your idea that it's it's everybody. It's multiplayer. Yeah. You know, let's, so let's, it's kind of let's do like Battlegrounds. Where That's every, exactly what I'm picturing. Everybody has it right, and then you have rooms that have weapons in them, but you have to power or something in them. You power up the door with the battery, but you have to leave it unattended. So other people would swoop in oh and take God. your battery and your cables, yeah. shut you in the door, you're trapped in there or something like that. I mean, one thing that but Battlegrounds is missing, I think, right now, and I love that game, and it's like getting it's seeping into Cool Games Inc. Like the game we made this week is yeah. basically just player unknown battlegrounds, except one person is your guardian angel watching over you and can tell you that enemies are in the next room. Ooh. So it's teams of two, one guardian angel and one. Yeah, yeah. But um one thing about that game is I, I always I've, I've, I have this constant feeling of like man I wish I could booby trap this house like man I wish I could attach jumper cables and a car battery sure. to the doorknob and then when someone walks in they get zapped yeah, like, yeah, yeah so maybe this maybe there's room for that in here somewhere okay okay yeah oh yeah set traps with you yeah, okay. or like yeah it's it, it's like a really malevolent Scooby Doo you know like at the end of the Scooby Doo episodes like they have the elaborate plan that Shaggy and Scooby you yeah. know always screw up to, to, to get the bad guy mm-hmm. but it's like that but it's got like a nastier edge because there's electricity there is electricity and, and death involved and death. Phantom Crust, two-player PvP battle about removing crust from bread slices. Where's the Phantom in this? That's, that's I'm, up I'm, to I'm, us. I'm, I'm, I'm looking to at us, you right? because, you know. I mean, I, well, I mean, we can get the Phantom in there. Yeah. So the idea is that uh, whoever doesn't get it done fast, <laughs> whoever takes the longest to get the bread. So you got it. The bread is in the center. You got to run out. You got to fight each other's like gang beasts or grab it and run yes. and do it. You got to cut it. Then you got to deliver it. And whoever doesn't get it delivered, a phantom swoops in like Nidhogg takes the person. I love that. See, you know, what I'm liking is to, just to give it a little bit more edge is uh-huh. that it's supposed to be for a cucumber sandwich. And if, if you've ever had <laughs> a, a delicious cucumber sandwich, that ratio of cucumber to butter is essential. Because, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, you're really, I mean, it's 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 tenuous and uh, you can screw up at any minute. Right. To say nothing of you, the, the perfectly removed crust. That's yeah. And then a phantom. Yeah. No, Where's the phantom it's kind phantom? of like at Passover when you leave the wine out for Elijah. You leave the cucumber sandwich yeah, out. Yeah, you leave it, oh. and then the phantom comes, and he relives. Maybe he's an old British phantom. And sure, he's just sure. like trying to like you know re-engage with the living and the corporeal, and he does it through cucumber sandwiches. Cucumber sandwiches. That's not a bad way to do it. And it's kind of a tragic tale yeah. of loss. Until the end there, and we had Barry. overcooked DLC. Overcooked <laughs> 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 Gang Beast idea is also really exciting for yeah, me, yeah, yeah. too. Like right, mash them up, mash them up. <laughs> yeah, mash them up. All right, cool. Um, 
Let's see. You want to do one more? Yeah. yeah. I will, I will, for whatever, you pick one more from the fans, and the final one has to be this one. But oh, it's my okay. chicken scratch handwriting if you need All me right. to read it. Here's a, here's a fan one. Uh, Spencer Caccini uh, suggests alien isolation, but all the aliens are replaced with corgis. Okay. But there's only one alien in Alien Isolation. So, and Just all of them corgi. are replaced with corgis. Why are we leveling corgi? Yeah, why are we hiding from the corgi? I want to pet him. Maybe, maybe that's the maybe that's like maybe it's like a gone home situation where you're scared for the first half of it, and then you realize it was all for nothing. Why don't I just embrace this corgi? Yeah. He seems like a nice guy. Good corgi. Or maybe it's kind of like that famous Twilight Zone episode with like the town that's terrified of the little girl. Sure, sure, mm. sure, sure. Except now it's a corgi, and you're on the spaceship, and you're like, why is there a corgi here? It must be evil, right. but you're trying to figure out what the evil is of the corgi. It'd be perfect. I would want this game to exist just for the fact of sitting there watching. You hear it in the vent, yeah. and then it just like awkwardly falls, <laughs> shakes its head, it's comes a over. Dog yeah, comes boom. out, smiling at you. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's because it's the corgi on a space station vibe. But I'm definitely a picture picturing Ayn from Cowboy Bebop. If you've seen that, like that's just, there's like, just a fat, thick, sort of twinky like corgi that is sort of walk like. They're in the low, no gravity rooms. It's kind of waggling its little legs in the sure, air. Yeah, some fun imagery. Drifting around. Okay, yeah. That's okay. one of those cartoony things you like, right? It's one of those cartoony things I like, yeah. yeah. And now our final Cool Games Inc. comes from Tim Geddes. Okay, who can't be here because he's preparing for Kind of Funny Live. And Ooh. we're preparing for E3. Well, he's clearly not preparing that hardly. I know. That hardly I know. He's sending you ideas. <laughs> Tim, Tim's suggestion for his game is Press Conference Simulator 2014 HD Remaster. Mm. What have they updated? What have they added for the 2017 version? Ooh. So think of 2014 video game conferences. What kind of thing would we have the to add? The first thing they've updated is they're not calling them press conferences. They're oh, calling them spotlight showcases. showcases. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And... Directs, Directs. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. You have the option if you want to, instead of actually having a press conference to have, have a, a pre-recorded a thing. pre-recorded YouTube out. video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yo, that was pioneered by Konami. Yes. And uh, I remember G4. And everybody was oh like, let's God. not do it like that. Let's do it good. Yeah, let's do but it good. They, they, they were alternately horrifying and ingenious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and look away from those, those early Konami press conferences. Yeah. There's just something so special about like God, one million troops. There's just so many things. I still think about that all the time. Uh, Naoki Maeda, who was the basically the, the figurehead of Dance Dance Revolution for the first decade of its existence, was there showing off uh, dance. God, what was it called? Dance Masters. It was like a connect dancing game where he said you can move your body freely. And it's I there's a, there is one specific Konami press conference that I have fully memorized and will never get out of my head. I just like that you have to use the connect to actually move your body freely. Yeah, like, exactly. We are we are, we are too constrained yeah. in our actual in lives. the real world. <laughs> we need the connect but to free us to read my. My body Connect so I can free, free the body. It's the second time I've talked about Connect today. Really? What the fuck is going was on? Was the first one here? Because I don't even remember one, it. No, the first one was on Cool Game. Oh, thank God. I was going to yeah. say, I, I, I mean, I black out most Connect no, stories. we talked about Connect Star Wars a little bit. That was like such a freeing moment of packing the move and picking up the Connect. I'm like, fuck you. You know Trash. how like, sometimes there'll be like a tiny shitty thing about your life that you could fix really easily, but you don't. Sure. I've had my Xbox One Connect in front of my TV for uh, two years now, just sitting there and it's like kind of blocking the IR thing on my, so my like, TV. You do yep. this so I have to move. play my remote at the ceiling and stuff so the yeah, brains yeah. will bounce off. And I'm not, new, it's not even plugged in. Why am I doing that? I, I, I got a new TV and it was like its shape was different so I had to get rid of the Connect for that very same reason. Yeah. What was funny, we're like, you know, for the next three days, Yelling at a television that stopped listening to me. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, and it was it was kind of like, oh, you don't, don't give me the silent she's, treatment. She's really gone. <laughs> she's really gone. Xbox, <laughs> there. Final topic comes from you, the community, and I'm kind of in line because most of the shows come from you. But you did a great job this week. Uh, reader hey, mail for all you Thanks. guys. Um, we're gonna start with Brian Poti. He says, Adam, mm-hmm. what's your favorite memory of doing games media? Do you miss doing it? I don't know if I miss it. There's little moments that I miss. 
You know what? I, I, I think what I do miss the most, and maybe you guys can tell me if it still exists, I kind of like the collegiality of, like, you know, you know, seeing like sure. going to events and seeing you and like every so often like seeing like old school friends of mine like like Ben Silverman and Andy yep. Mac. Yeah, you know, there was definitely a brothers in arms thing, you know, ever so often, especially for something like Judges Week or E three, where it's like hey, you go on these how tours, doing? these things. How are yeah, you doing? Yeah. Um that part I miss. And ever so often I get to go to these events like like, like I did to, to see Far Cry five. And I see, you know, friends there. And I'm like, yeah, that you. part I like. That part I like. Just about everything else, I haven't, I haven't had like that. Oh boy, I got to. Re- I have one day to review Crisis Three, <laughs> or wow, that kid hates me. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand not missing that. Um, I, one thing, and I'd love to know if you miss this, but I, working from home now with most of Polygon headquartered in New York and the rest of us scattered around everywhere, I do a little bit miss the vibe of like coming into an office with you mm. and Tara and Max and like sitting around like the office workplace stuff is the stuff I miss. You know, and it was so funny because one thing I never adjusted to at Rev3 was the way that all you guys worked in the office. Yeah. You was that, on, was that you, not how it worked you, with you, you, you put on headphones and I found oh. it so confusing. Uh, no, the, the way stuff would happen at G4, and I really how so many of the sketches occurred on X-Play, is somebody would yell something. Maybe they saw something on the internet. And then, invariably, my friend Mark Fahey would grab his guitar and make a song out of what the person had yelled. And then two other people were like, hold on, this. And then, like, a sketch would be born. Yeah. Mm. And I was always so accustomed to a raucous, loud, like, people would just always be yelling at us. When, when we moved from the old G4 offices into the E-building, uh, that really caused like trouble for us because we were surrounded by people that um, Normie, normies we call didn't, them. yeah normies they didn't like us <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and we were so used to kind of talking to one another and just kind of spitballing stuff like that yeah not not that you guys were wrong to put on the headphones but I would always like, turn around to like I'm like Max I have an idea oh, oh yeah I mean then I really started to feel like the old awkward guy it was, it was also <laughs> I think that was probably a symptom of the fact that that Rev3 Games was part of Vision Three which was part of Discovery Digital Networks which was in one big giant open office yes. space floor plan yes. and so like. We were just a few feet away from like editors and producers and like finance people, and it was like there was normies. A, yeah, no, I guess so. Yeah, and, like if we if we I think the closest y'all ever got to solving that problem was when you moved into that tiny corner of the office, and it yeah. was just packed, it crammed into this tiny spot where you had no choice but to like interact with each other. Yeah, because if you spun around too much, I could actually like take off Tara's head. Do you remember when I watched you electrocute yourself? That was probably that's the scariest right. part. Of, that's the scariest thing that's ever happened in my life. Is watching okay. watching tell me. idols. What 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 was you were I like doing? you were getting your desk i think plugging in your macbook charger and it just absolutely yeah. just, oh, i mean i thought that was it like did, i was gonna die to did a it shoot up did it shoot up your arm i think his, it went like uh, there, there there was enough and it was so strong i jumped back you it, jumped back you were like clearly visibly electrocuted and i looked at you and you looked at me and i was like do i need to like call 911 are you yeah okay? i was like, like i don't know what to do but something just happened yeah i mean i just I, that that's the thing it's like i'm a pc gamer that was gonna get killed by a MacBook. There you go. That's how that, it knew. It knew. It yeah, read between the lines. Feel it. No, that was one of the things about I didn't expect because you know we worked in the spare bedroom in my in Colin and I's house for a year and a half, and moving in here for a while, it felt like we were playing house. And then when we hired Andy, and then when like Joey's around, and like there's like it's weird to be we're in separate rooms now, and like Nick will walk through and come back, and I, there was like the first week where people were working out of the office, and we were just like the the new people working out of the office, and, they, and we were just like. 
they have a culture and they're having conversations that don't revolve around us and they have no idea what it was like to be in that shitty fucking place and like yeah. on top of each other and all, me mad because Kevin was working at the kitchen table and I wanted to make sure I had dinner on the table for my girlfriend. You know what I mean? It's like, man, that's weird. Now it's like a real thing again whereas for so long it was fucking around. Um, but you, you all feel comfortable here now though, right? Like it yeah, feels now, now it's a thing. Yeah, you know, it's a well, thing. This is really cool. This well, th- yeah, this is your first time. I forgot you were yeah. spare bedroom. You, you were, yeah, I know you spare bedroom. Right? Yeah, you, so anyway, I went over to the first time I was like, Interesting setup. You yeah, yeah, there. that was the thing. Wow. I always tried to apologize to everyone as I took him up the stairs. I'm like, don't look at my well, dog. He'll pee. Like, you live and work here in the most deliberate, literal way. And yeah. I was like, I don't know if I could do that. That's a, yeah. a, the opposite of work-life balance thing. When you work from home, it's like a... You can't get away. It's line. always right we, there. Yeah, yeah, the workday yeah. does not have a concrete end anymore. Yeah, it's, it's a rough one. Uh, Gabe Gerwin wrote in and says, Nick, how can I become the Cheeto champ? You can't. There's only one. There's only room for one of us. Did you expect that video to blow up the way it blew did up? Did you tell Fuck me no. about this? I don't know. I don't think you did. No. And like, I was almost heartbroken. <laughs> so it's kind of like... like How do we not know? Yeah. Like, you know, I worked with you for that long and you never told me you climbed Everest or, or like... <laughs> Killed someone and hid the body. Well, it's just, I've, it's so to bring everybody I may up to have speed, done one of those two things and haven't told you, but out of the blue one day on Twitter, you just dropped this video. Mm-hmm. That's you at what age? I was oh god, oh, he was like 15, two minutes. It was two minutes earlier. He what still looks like that. <laughs> yeah. What state are we in again? This is North Carolina, and you bought the biggest Cheeto off of eBay. Yeah, and it's it's indirectly Adam Sessler's fault if you think about it, because I found that Cheeto on the G four forums, which is where I used to hang out every day when I was like fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, it was it was it was it was kind of like the Silk Road of idiots. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what it was. I was on the deep web, uh, and there was like a, there was a segment on Attack of the Show called "It Came from eBay," and someone had posted like. Hey, Hey, check it out. They should do an edit. It came from eBay on this enormous Cheeto. Turns out the guy who posted that in the G4 forums was also the guy selling the Cheeto. No one else bid on the Cheeto except for me. So it was like $3 for this enormous Cheeto. Uh, somehow the local news got word that I had the largest Cheeto. In my well, it came in on a flatbed truck, right? Everybody in the town right. saw it coming <laughs> saw through. Everyone in the town <laughs> poking their head out the windows. Um, and so this video emerged. And I, all credit to Max Coville for, for resurfacing this because I went to do the comedy button with him. And he brought up that video. And I was like, oh, fuck. I forgot that even ever happened. And I went and looked and I had like uploaded it to Facebook in 2005 because I was so proud of it. Yeah, so I just yeah, downloaded yeah. that, threw it back up on, on Twitter and YouTube. And I, I literally it's, thought like three people were going to find it It's your sincerity in that video yeah. that like I had to watch it I don't know how many times where I'm like trying to see what's behind your eyes. Where like he's grinning maniacally, right? Because he's like he somehow knows he's got attention one. with a big I'll, snack food. So a few, I'll clear up one misconception about <laughs> that video, which me. is people watch that video and they're like, you were just a greasy little fuck. You weren't you? You look like shit. And the reality was I had actually, at 15-year-old Nick, had gotten cold feet about having the news crew come over, and I had decided I didn't want to do it. And at the last minute, I was like, you know what? I should just do this. It's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. So I took a shower three minutes before the news van showed up, so yeah, my yeah. hair was still wet. It was not grease. It was water. Okay, explain... The anxiety. Once-in-a-lifetime I mean, I mean, opportunity. I mean, on camera or it's it like... Was, yeah, it was like 15-year-old me being on the local news and like being interviewed in front of a camera. It was just... It was terrifying. And so I, I was like, I don't know if I can like... Do, just like general teen on a camera nervousness, you know? Yeah. Um, but if you look closely, I'm also wearing a Harvest Moon shirt with a giant chicken on the back of it and a Natsume logo on the front. And so clearly I wasn't that worried about appearances. You want to look cool for your friends. I got yeah. it. I've been all my Harvest Moon friends. Exactly. All your Harvest Moon friends. Um, Gamer Up says, 
What do you guys think about a possible announcement of the Evil Within 2 at E3 2017 Bethesda press conference? I mean... It's locked, right? I, I, I think it's possible. I think it's, it's got to happen. That's really? got, yeah, don't you? It's time. It's been how many years since Evil Within? I, mean, I really liked Evil Within, how did that so game something do? I would like to hear. Better than they thought it was going to do. Yeah, really? Yeah, you know, okay. it, it found critical success and definitely an audience for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. I, I, I'm stealing that as one of my predictions for the. That's a cool E3 prediction. I, yeah. I I almost I was about to say I forgot the Evil Within existed except for the theme song of Carboys is Claire de Lune and I used the Evil Within composite version of yeah. that song because it's fucking horrifying. I used that version in one episode for like one minute because I love the way they did it in that game. Like that game's whole soundtrack was so cool. Yeah. Um, I would totally be down. I, I mean, what has Mikami been doing since Evil Within? Like I have yeah. no idea. That's the so. figure. I pre I remember previewing Evil Without. It at, I, <laughs> yes, I previewed it at IGN. Name. It's got to be dude. it's time. Evil Within yeah. Without you. It's like a Beatles with a without yeah oh they go from using classical music to using like licensed Beatles music but like horrifying covers of them yeah, I play like this all game. of Revolver play. Are we backwards. back in the Cool Game segment? <laughs> cool yeah. Game Inc. Did we just come we up with another one? Shinji Mikami on Cool Game segment. Get him on it right there. Chris Moore, or as most people who listen to the show know him as Moore Scion, says, does Adam and Nick think Armored Core should change its mission play for the next installment? Okay, this is the funniest question I've ever been asked. Every week he asks Armored Core questions. Oh, really? He doesn't care who the guest is. He just asks Armored Core questions. <laughs> lucky, lucky for y'all. Which Adam, one was Adam Armored is Core? A, Adam is a huge Mech Armored Core shit, expert. But not so, the cool one. Not, 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 don't be humble. Adam is the biggest Armored Core fan on earth he loves it he can name all of them his name is actually in the credits of armored core 4 <laughs> so just tell us a little bit about your mech loadout in the most recent armored core and like how you can how many flares did you use yeah how many flares four okay it's interesting it's and i call my armored friend giuseppe <laughs> just interesting. You yeah. 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 I wanted to have kind of a Pinocchio vibe yeah. sure. to my armored core experience what do you think is the, what's the most overrated weapon in armored core would you say love <laughs> Great answer. Love can bloom on the armored core battlefield. battlefield. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Over there. Um, at Inazuma Jaga, what's Babylonian's favorite game of all time? Um, for the longest time, I've been automatically saying Phantom Dust. Yeah, you have to. And so now that Phantom Dust is like freely available to everyone on Earth, I think this, I should definitely keep saying it because anyone who has Windows 10 or an Xbox One can go download the entire game in HD for free right now for zero dollars and zero cents, and that's bananas. I feel like I live in this weird Splinter universe where like all like the same. I'm getting a Phantom Dust HD remaster. I'm getting a good Sonic the Hedgehog game. Like this year feels like there someone you died somewhere. somewhere. You're I'm in a coma. Died. <laughs> I definitely died. The announcement of the Phantom Dust remaster, yeah. I had this image of like Phil Spencer waking up in the morning and you're like out on his lawn, say anything style. Yep, boombox. Yeah, <laughs> just, just holding up an Xbox Harvest Moon t shirt. Yeah, I and, and I assume him. that's how it all happened. Last spring, I interviewed Phil Spencer for the, the first and only time, and uh, I absolutely what did you do? I hammered him with Phantom Dust questions. And to his credit, he he actually the, the fun thing about the Phantom Dust remaster, Phil Spencer literally did not know it was coming. Uh, Shannon. He basically, uh, Shannon Loftus uh, at Microsoft Studios went off in a corner and secretly had the it, the remaster begin, and then like right before E three, she surprised him with it, which is like I think a really awesome idea of just like she took this little. She, I just she, she feels like Susan, what are you doing in that corner? Nothing. Nothing go she away. Squirreled away budget and surprised Phil Spencer with a Phantom Dust remaster, and that's like a weird game industry story that I enjoy a lot. He didn't even know it was was coming. So, uh, oh Adam, I forget when you were on. But did you ever tell us your favorite game all time? On the, one of the previous shows, I, probably, I, I, I either say Ghosts and Goblins or something else. I always, I, 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 always, I always pivot on this one and just go to Ghosts and Goblins, sure. just because it's like it's it's out there. Yeah. So, final question, Harrison Millfield. He says, 
What's the best advice to a journo graduate who has freelanced and podcast for years for, um, for free for years and is trying to break through professionally? Stop doing it for free. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I mean, I mean, look, it's, I, I get asked this question a lot and I get a little uncomfortable because it is a tough racket. Like this is, a, it is a much different world than the one I started in, in 1998, where I would probably give far more concrete advice. Like really think through if you want to do this because it's not the most loving and caring world and there's a lot of like challenges that, that, that come with it. But the big one is, and I just mean this to everyone, stop doing work for free because you are now creating the expectation that you would do that. Yeah. And, and you really can be taken advantage of and you'll be doing it for exposure. And like I was even offered exposure in 2014 or 13. Remember that? Well, nobody knew who you were. No, no, it was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was South by Southwest. They wanted me to host something, and they wouldn't even pay for my flight or my hotel. Mm -hmm. And Just they're like, yeah, but we thought you'd get great exposure. Yeah, get the Amazon like, brand out there. I'm fucking exposed. <laughs> <laughs> All right? That's why you came to me. Yeah, anyway. I, I think that's great advice. It's like, and it, it's easier said than done, I think, to stop working for free. But when you work for free, you it's it's it's... It's not experienced the way that you want experience. And it's also like weirdly harmful for everyone else out there because if anyone's working for free, then no one's getting paid. No, I mean, like, you know, I was, I was kind of, I do want to sound selfish, but yeah, I mean, that, that, that's kind of what has happened is there are people, and, and, you know, and, and they're doing that from a genuine and honest place. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not faulting them for that. But I, you know, the pay is really, really low when you start in these things. And that's kind of what. Games press is kind of based on them. I think every outlet, I'm not going to be naming names, but what I have always felt is one of the biggest challenges is at most places you have people that have been around for a long time and there's new people coming in. And those people who have been around for a long time kind of guide and kind of teach, you know, because I, I, I believe a lot of reviewers when they're young, you, you tend to be a lot more critical because you think that's the way that you can kind of prove your chops. Mm. And I remember I, you know, sometimes you'd be like, hey, are you really sure that, you know, that, that you want to, you know, take this tactic? Is this how you really feel about the game? And just, you know, you can just kind of, just kind of mellow them out so that, you know, they, they, they can find their own voice. We don't see that as much anymore because you can't, it's very hard to grow old yeah. in the gaming press. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. one of the key reasons I'm not there anymore. That's, I mean, you and, talk and to that, anybody, that's that why don't. it's like that. And so a lot of these young people that are coming in are also coming in without experienced people in that kind of guidance. And I think that's mm. creating mm. one of the biggest challenges. Mm. I'm not going to say in the quality of the writing, but kind of, I think, in tone and temperament of yeah. a lot of stuff that's Interesting. happening. Uh, this is an obvious thing, but if you can hustle really hard and get yourself an internship, that's huge. Yeah. Uh, I had an internship at Giant Bomb um, when I was... 20 or 21 and I I credit that to a lot of like the chances I got later on is people are like you have actually worked at a video game place. You know what and the other one is learn to play the games most people don't like because yep. that's where you're starting out. You're not going to get the new Ken Levine game when you start out. That's an interesting point. What yeah. you are going to be given is you know stuff that's very genre specific maybe yep. sports. I mean it's very useful if you know sports games. You know, certain types of strategy games. I mean, those if you can be proficient at be those, the expert you're those. willing to take on like you are going to become far far more valuable. What I always tell people is like when you start off and you're doing this, obviously do it every day, do all this. And he sounds like he's already doing that, mm -hmm. but have a niche, right? If you're the guy who and you're going to go write the umpteenth BioShock Infinite review, that doesn't speak as loudly as, "Hey, I'm the guy who only reviews this thing of this subset of just yeah. NIS games or whatever." Yeah, I like I, I look at what's what like the the last few times I've seen big websites hiring I feel like the things that I see people and anecdotally like what I feel like I see people hiring for right now is people who make video 
and people who do esports coverage. I think yeah. those are the two like oh, job openings right now. And if, if yeah. you have any interest in either of those things, it seems like a pretty if smart. You could be what's called a predator, which is a producer yeah. editor. Oh. Uh, you are kind of gold. And, I, and to be perfectly honest, like, I am almost worried, like even recommending being a predator because I'm so old school that I still think editors and producers should be separate human beings. Keep them, yeah. keep them in different buildings. <laughs> Don't let them talk to each other. Ladies and gentlemen. This has been the Kind of Funny Games cast episode 122. Thank you for watching. Remember, you can get it on patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames early. You can get our bonus episode we're going to do over there if we still have time. We still have time early. You can watch Andy Cortez do stuff over there. Ain't that right, Andy? Yeah. Yeah, that's Andy. Guys, this is great. You're both great. Thank you for having you, us. I think you. you're going to have a long career in this industry, both of you. You know what I mean? Really? Yeah. I think Aww, this, thanks, Greg. Things might work out for this, this Adam Sessler guy. Oh, maybe my hair will come back. No, that's not going to happen. And that dewy hope I used to have in my eyes. <laughs> Until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you.